Yeehaw, Bob Saget. I How am are you, happy. Buddy? I am actually excited to be. I'm excited to be anywhere, but I'm especially excited to be talking to you. I'm excited to be talking to you too. Thank you. And we tested you. You're clean, buddy. I am. You're free and clear of the I, virus. I did. I usually have like uh, uh, Trump had someone take his SAT. I usually have someone take my COVID <laughs> test for me. Did Trump have someone take his SAT? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. How Apparently, do do but I don't know what's what's true. Right. What the hell is true anymore? Well, anything before the internet is hard, and even during the internet, it's hard because they splice things up and edit. Stuff. Oh, it's all sound bites. You could you could hate anybody or love anybody. I know. It's you know what's weird, man, is um, when the the deep fake stuff. Like, how long do we have before you don't know what you're seeing? How right. long before do do we have before you know, we see like a, a world leader declaring war on us, and we don't know if it's real. Yeah, correct. How long? I, I say now. I Probably mean, somebody now. could do it right now. I mean, but I don't. I don't know because North Korea could could fire a missile and it wouldn't go anywhere. I don't think. I like how they introduce new players. Like now, you have to be worried about the sister. Have right. You notice that, like the evil sister, and she's thin, <laughs> so you probably think she's mean. She will right? be. She's gonna be very mad. Oh yeah. She'll be a Karen. A Karen. Imagine if your fucking kid's named Karen. What a bummer that must be if you're a nice person named Karen. And then Karen. Well, it's like Corona beer. I mean, I can't believe they had to stop that. That's, that makes me sad. I what mean, do you mean? They stopped the name? That's what I'm told. They stopped making it. Now, oh, I don't know if that's stupid. true. That's the source I heard. But I still enjoy a Corona. I'm not a fucking child. I like Corona light. But what am I going to do? And then, and then AIDS candy, that was a smart move. You had to yes. stop that diet candy. Yeah, it makes you lose weight. <laughs> it's, it's ironically sad. Most people don't even know what we're talking about. It's A-Y-D-S, right? Correct. That's what it's called. Correct. It was a, a diet candy, like a chocolate yeah. that you would eat. I never took it. I mean, it's like the X-Lax for dieting. Oh, is it like a... It, well, X-Lax actually helps you diet also. But all it does is just get rid of the food that's in your body. It just it's makes not healthy. Shit. No. No, I was somewhere once and I was on a modium because I was having a rough day. <laughs> I don't know what happened. That's another diuretic, right? Or no, it's, it's constipator. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it it, it solidifies. Appetite suppressant candy. Oh, so it's an appetite suppressant. So it's not a. No. What is X-lax? X-lax makes you. Yeah, it's a laxative. Yeah. It helps it makes you, you shit, shit diarrhea yeah. explosive. <laughs> Explosively, if you eat this... the whole box, you could <laughs> shit yourself to death. You could OD on it. What is barf? What is barf? Barf it's is detergent. It said. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Barf's a detergent. Is that real? Yeah, this is they didn't discontinue it because people product. vomit. Did they find out they really did discontinue Corona beer? That sounds so ridiculous. It sounds. That's what I heard from somebody. It's a classic. There it's was a also beer. a candy called anal warts that they decided to take off the market. You know, that's the kind of shit that I, I why do I do there. it? You, you never went yourself. there. You couldn't help yourself. I, I, you know I what it know. is? All those years of full house. says they were taking these actions in order mm. to comply with the measures taken by Mexico Production of Corona beer halted. The group See? And I don't understand why it had to be. Because they're fools. They're just chicken shit. That I doesn't make any so. sense. Nobody gives a fuck. You not going to buy even Corona correlate. beer? It doesn't no. correlate to me. No, it doesn't. What, it's not called COVID, by the way. Right. And corona, coronaviruses occur every single year. And now we can't see those ads of cool-looking people gorgeously shot at the beach with the lime and the beers right mm. there. Mark Norman had a funny bit about that. So he put it on Instagram about, like, it's almost like they already knew. Because, like, they're always someone alone. Yeah. Totally it's someone one person distancing. in an ice bucket with four beers. Yeah. Or two people. I, think it, I don't think it was because... Because of the name Corona, I think it was just because of the like <clears throat> lockdown period when people couldn't be at work. Bro, somebody sent me something about Mexico. 
Holy shit. I had no idea there were that many deaths every day in Mexico. There are oh, so terrible. many murders so, right now in Mexico. Yeah. Holy fuck. It's it, crazy. This is a bad week for murder. Yeah, this well, is, it's this real is bad for Mexico. A, a, a Mexico, but all over the states, too. It's been yeah. like crazy. Crazy in New York City. Well, they told cops that, first of all, cops are trying to, they're retiring left and right in New York. And um, then they told them they can't restrain people by putting weight on them. They can't put a knee on their back or their neck or any other place, and they can't administer chokeholds. And there's all these jujitsu guys who train cops that are, they're like uh, Henner Gracie put a video on his uh, Instagram page. He, he works a lot with cops, Jamie, Henner Gracie, and um, explaining why it's a terrible idea. Like, you can't control someone any other way unless you use violence, unless you hit them with things. They used or to be the old them. nut squeeze. Is that effective? back in the day? Well, you can meet somebody. Yeah, so he's a warning to Mayor de Blasio, but de Blasio is a fool, man. He's he's a, f a foolish person. Well, we have to have order, but we also have to have peace. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they, they got, we are so we are so f fucked up right now. So fucked up. It got so far gone in so many of these precincts and so many of these uh, these these. Look at this one guy who literally does not know how to grapple, and this cop tries to take him down. And well, do you think there's adrenaline and Adderall in a person that that is that? I they, think that cop didn't know what the fuck he was doing. This is the thing; these cops don't they they should all be you know. Um, Andrew Yang said it best. He said every cop should be like a purple belt in jujitsu. He's right. Everyone should know, or judo, or something. They should know no, you're right. how to wrestle, how to defend themselves. And a lot of cops don't know anything. They, they literally don't know how to defend themselves, so then they're left with weapons. There should and, also be a psych psychological training oh, yeah. as well. They, I understood. I heard someone speak. I believe it was, um, who's our Carl Sagan? Uh, he's, he's Neil deGrasse Tyson? Lovely guy. Um, Is that what you're talking about? No. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes, thank you. Yeah, Sorry, I, I didn't it. hear the first part. I'm going deaf slowly. Are you? I don't have corona, but the left ear's out. Really? No, I did took you, a day quill. Did you ever play in a rock band or anything? I have. Really? <laughs> well, I, 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 I can beat. I play a guitar. I play guitar. Stamos plays really? the drums. Yeah, true. You guys get together? We do. We had, really? He has a band room. We haven't done it in a while because we can't right now. Yeah, you can. But, Just but, get tested. Well, you're not going to get Mike Love from the Beach Boys to take COVID, I don't think. No, you won't do it? I love that you gave me one. I love that, not you personally, but I love that I had one just now. It, well, it's. I think it's important for everybody to know because you can get mind fuck yourself and think you have it. I've mind fucked myself a bunch of times. Like, am I short of breath? Yeah, we've Did all done it? it. We do it at night. It's a panic attack. Yeah. And it could be just, I get allergies. And mm. I've also had walking pneumonia because when I'm on the road over the years, you just are on planes or international stuff and you go like, you're, you're heavy breathing. And then I find out, oh, I just did 10 dates in a row. Then I come back and my doctor says, Bob, you're, you have pneumonia. Yeah. So, road funk. Right. Yeah. And you, you don't know what the fuck's coming out of the vents on the planes. It's, well, like, it's just being next to people that are farting in your face, too. How about literally. That? Yeah, actual literally. Yeah. shit spray. They freckle you. <laughs> they walk by when they go to the bathroom. And people yeah, don't know what freckling dust. is. I'm not telling you. Yeah. There's a product called Freckled, and they're taking it off the market. I wonder if people are going to go back to no masks in public. I think there's going to be a certain number of people that are just going to keep wearing masks. I think you're right. And when I was in Japan... I didn't understand the mask theory, which was not about, I don't think it was about a, a contagion type thing. It was about cleanliness. It was about the air quality. I it, think it's also about being polite. 
the Japanese culture, if you have sniffles or something like that, you don't want to give it to someone else. You're, they're more thoughtful and considerate. Now, that is what we're lacking here. Yes. The people that are yelling, I'm not wearing a mask, you're taking away my rights. <laughs> Did you and, see that lady in Florida? Yeah. She, a bar, she's giving away 100 free meals to the people that don't wear masks. Yeah. Like, Florida has the fourth number of coronavirus cases on earth. If Florida was a country, it would have the fourth on earth. Yes. Well, they they opened it up to prove their point that their Petri dish was impenetrable. Well, they opened it up to Disney World. They, they did. They opened Disney World. And people love the idea of not waiting in line, so oh, they're, yeah, they're willing to wild. die. What is a skinny video of Disney World opening I'll day? I'll find it. There's a vid- <clears throat> I saw this going around on Saturday that there were some influencers that went, because there's a lot of people that on YouTube <laughs> that just go to Disney parks all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. And they were saying they felt sick, and they just went the next day, and they're like, oh, we're, this is fun, but we, we, all of our throats hurt real bad. Oh, my God. I think they all have it. Unless they were faking. They're they, probably. They well, there's a lot of. Views. And then fucks. there's Splash Mountain. I mean, there's things that there's no way droplets oh, yeah. don't come out of you and go into the mouth of the person behind. Do you ever see the movie Outbreak years ago with yes. Dustin Hoffman? Yes. So there's a, an amazing shot in the movie. It's a point of view of a phlegm ball. And it's literally follows phlegm. A guy laughs. It's a comedy, of course. Laughs. A piece of phlegm comes out of his mouth. They follow point of view. They do CGI or beginnings of it. And it goes into another person's mouth mouth and that's how in a contagion way that mm. they should represented how this thing can travel and uh i wear a mask it was funny when you had bill burr on here who's a mutual friend people do not understand that i was goading bill into going on a rant i was fucking with no him. they people don't people wrote it you, out like i really don't wear i have a mask in my fucking pocket I me wear one too every day no you're it, it's funny because everything's out of context everything's serious but when that's you're that's what I'm, I'm trying so hard because I'm an I'm a newbie at this. I'm, I'm I'm on my 33rd episode. You're on the Hebrew calendar. You're 5,748 episodes. You know, you, you're 10 years of doing something that revolutionized this. OK, so I just started it because I this before COVID. I started it because I was doing shows and I'd be in a theater and people would be yelling at each other. And I would go, guys, what are, you, what are you doing? Or I'd have a bit about prejudice when I was six years old, when there was profiling, when there was uh, segregated bathrooms. And I started talking about it. And people would get angry in, in the sh- in at door- you at me for and at, at the world. One guy yelled, "The South will rise again." What? This is pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, the guy yelled out, "The South will rise again." My response was, <laughs> "Sir, we're in Boston." <laughs> He, I was at the Wilbur. He was serious. He, he was one hundred percent serious. And then they went and went to tag him, and I said, "No, leave him, leave him be." You know, unless it, someone continues, I I deal with it. We the deal South with it. South will rise again. In so. fucking Boston. Well, it's they've had a long downtime. You know, I mean, you lost in eighteen sixty five. You're gonna rise again. The other thing is, they're pulling down statues, right? So the statues are like, uh, they're like chocolate uh, Easter eggs, um, Easter bunnies, the ones that are hollow. Mm -hmm. So if a statue to me is less than an inch thick of the lining around it, and it's hollow inside, right? I think an inch it could maybe stay up if it's heavy enough, (laughs) but if. Ten guys could pull it down with a rope and it's made of aluminum? That's got to come down. That's well, like a jiffy pop. It really – here's the thing about these statues. <laughs> this is one thing that people need to understand. A I'm lot only of laughing statues, about it, by the way, because I'm trying to find humor in what's so – Chaos. It's chaos. Yeah, and the, the it upsets dismantling me so, of history. Correct. Some of it should be dismantled. 
Some of those right. statues should go. They really shouldn't be there. But they should Agreed. take them and bring them to some sort of a Civil War museum or something like that. But a <laughs> lot of those statues, there's look, there's Genghis Khan museums, right? There's museum right. pieces on Genghis Khan. He killed 10% of the world's population while he was alive. There's something about those statues, though, that a lot of people don't realize. Like They were really cheaply made and put up very quickly in response to the civil rights movement. Right. That's what people don't understand. That the, those those aren't like these long-standing homages to these great generals. No, they were in response to the civil rights movement. So they started putting up these Confederate statues. You know, that's why they're made. At, they're made like shit. They they're, were made really shit. quickly. Tin foil. Yeah, they're we could make them. I, th I bet we could. Pie pans. Yeah, we could. But then you go to Melt Grant. Some aluminum foil. You go to see Grant's tomb yeah. or Grant's statue. I mean, it's made of molten lava. Well, you they know? probably want to take his thing down, too. See, the thing is... They want to take everything down. Trump said something, and everybody thought he was joking. Like, what's next? They're going to take down Lincoln? They're going to take down uh, George Washington? And everybody's like, get the fuck out of here. They're not going to do that. But they are doing that. They are trying to take down George Washington statues. And people are saying you should get rid of George Washington statues because George Washington owned slaves, and George Washington was a white supremacist, and... He didn't want to own slaves. He wanted to abolish it, from what I've read and from what I understand. It would be so hard to know. It would be so hard to know, other than what he wrote, and, and you know, unless you have a fucking time machine. It would be so no, hard. You're right. We don't even know what history is right now. Yeah, right. We're, we're right, being right. fed. I, I try to watch all news things or none. Um, I try to watch every single channel because I want to see where the world's at. Well, I think that's the worst way to get news is off television. I think you, you get so much nonsense. And so much posturing and virtue signaling and so much bias. Like when I watched CNN, I was watching CNN when they were correcting Trump on these, these, these things that he says. And it wasn't even news. It was like this weird uh, no. opinion piece that was It's on, tabloid. Yeah, it's it's it all is. tabloid. Fox's tabloid, uh, all MSNBC. Some, exactly. there's, there's jewels in all of it, though. There's reality in all of it because you'll get just the right – a broadcaster, an actual broadcaster and news journalist, you'll get a, a couple of people that are that on every one of those networks. Yeah. And then you'll get a guest that feeds the beast. Rather, it's become like South Park, and it's <laughs> going to be offensive to some people, what I'm going to say. It'll be like, we have here the president of the United States, and it's a split screen, and also a midget. You know, and then they'll have, a because everyone has a voice. And, and that's an offensive word, by the way. Um, midget. President of the United States. Ah, <laughs> hey, he's but then a I comedian. no rim shot. Oops. Please don't hit the button. But um, <laughs> but that's what they would do. Or a man in a hoop skirt. You know, yeah. uh, they they would do that on South Park constantly. And we've kind of become that. Here's a person that has you know, ten million people looking at them on whatever site you look at, and then someone who has five thousand people who has a YouTube page that people go to. But it's just to start. Everybody goes to the news source they want that validates what their yes, opinion is. or to get angry. You might tune into Fox News just to get angry. Or tune into CNN to get angry if you're on the other side. It's, uh, it's a weird time, man. But it's got to come together. I know that's what you're, you try to do that. I, I know that that's what – I mean stand-up is the root of that in a way. Yeah, because you can make fun of ideas that maybe even someone agrees with the idea, but if you mock that idea and it's so funny, it gets them to laugh, they have to think about it. You know, like if you, like say if you're a How pro, beautiful is that? It's amazing. To be able to do that and how yeah. bad do you want to do it right now? 
Oh, yeah, I'd love to do it right now. I need to do it. I, I'm, I had this bit about Trump, and I had this guy come up to me. He goes, he goes, I'll tell you why that joke's good. He goes, I fucking love Trump, and that joke was hilarious. Like, when you can say, when you can make fun of something that someone loves, and they still think it's funny. Right. Yeah. Then they, ha they have to think. There's like, a skill to that. I try to do that, too. I try to, it's impossible to come up with something that pleases every side and every perspective, but I'm trying but that's why I end up talking about my dick so much, because <laughs> it does it, it does lean left, and it's a pleaser. <laughs> it is a pleaser. <laughs> yeah, my, I, I, I might have to say that again sometime. <laughs> it's a pleaser. You it is. A t you should sell T-shirts on your website. It's a pleaser. <laughs> you just got me some merch ideas. That's a good merch idea right there. Yeah, it's it's impossible to make everybody happy. You because here's one thing: everybody doesn't want to be happy. There's a lot of people that they love being miserable. They like being angry. It's and, easier to be angry yeah. than it is to dig out and wake up positive and go, I'm going to try to write some things today. Yeah, that's Not hard. write, I mean, R-I-G-H-T, make things right. better in yeah. the world by putting out my energy, by yeah. trying to, if there could just be a fucking discourse. Yeah. It's just, there's also a with problem. With people that uh, don't agree. But there's anything. also a problem that we have timelines. Like, we have a deadline. We have a deadline. Our deadline's November, or the world's going to fall apart. we got to get rid of this motherfucker by November, and everybody's clamoring and trying to figure out how to do it and pretending Joe Biden's brain isn't melting, and everyone's running around trying to put together some sort of a Well, actually, they got a mic stand, duct tape, and a pipe cleaner. He's going to be fine. He's going to be there. He's, they're going to weekend at Bernie's him all the way to the fucking cabinet. He's been doing some good, putting out some stuff that's pretty— they, Where? Go uh, online. He's been— uh, some, tweeting? No, just some videos, speeches, really? things that are a little bit more promising than Again, some of the other. Deep fakes. That's well, not even him. That's the guy who does a, Is there a guy who does a good Biden impression? I have not heard a good Biden. If we were doing stand up, there would be a guy who would have, there would be some comic out I there. I would think Dana Carvey would be able oh, to yeah. do it. He's he such a Have you had him here? No, I'd love to, though. I'd uh, love him. He and I love him so much. Yeah. He, he is do. one of the purest, sweetest people I've ever known. He was the – his character of Lorne Michaels was the original Dr. Evil, yes, right? Yes, And uh, Mike Myers sort Mike of – Mike Myers, and they hung out, and it would always be the pinky yeah. in the mouth. And uh, mm. yeah, yeah, it was – it was it, Dana is a, an original. Dana's he's a, brilliant. Yeah, he's a brilliant. He's a, we would sit around back in, when you were – I think you were six, but we would go to Fab's, this uh, Italian restaurant on uh, Van Nuys, and we would be with our wives – um, fabs fabs he stayed with his wife my wife and i got divorced but i have a new wife uh she's congratulations the, thank you she's the, van nuys uh, used to be a hot spot i was looking at this video or yeah. these uh there's a i think it was the la times had a photographic essay of van nuys boulevard in the 70s and it was amazing it was all these people with bell bottoms and these cool cars and they used to on saturday nights drive their cars up and down the road it, it was, was like, fun yeah but it was like a place where people would go to cruise. Yeah. It was boogie nights without yes. the heroin and, and people Big getting dicks. harmed. Giant, prosthetic, Marky, but, Marky Mark prosthetic dicks. So, when, so we would sit there, and it was right before he got Saturday Night Live. What year was at, this? Uh, uh, 86. It was one year uh, before he got that and before I... I had been in a Richard Pryor movie. That was the first thing of consequence. and then What movie was that? Critical Condition. You got to work with Pryor. I got to spend a month with him. 
And I got to hang out with him because I was one of the hosts at the store for eight years. And you got to work with Pryor when Pryor was Pryor. Well, it was after the fire. But it so was still, it like, was 100% live on the Sunset prior. Strip was after the fire. It was after the fire. That was his he best. He did JoJo Dancer. Ah. Uh, it was, and, and Critical Condition was directed by Michael Apted, a great director who did uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, made a lot of important movies. Oh, did wow. the 7 Up series. Do you ever see that? 7 Up, 14 Up, 21 Up? No. Took seven people through their lives from London and followed them every seven years, did a documentary about them. Oh, wow. It's just a real special, brilliant, lovely man. He was head of the academy for a while. <laughs> anyway, so what happened was, but but um, but working with Pryor, we were, you know, when you're doing a movie, we were in a shower stall in an old hospital, and it was supposed to be uh, Rikers Island or whatever the hell that prison is up there. Is that is it Rikers? Which one? The, in New York. What what's the? Um, I think that's Rikers, right? Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was representing that, but we shot it in High Point, North Carolina, with really good actors: Joe Montana and Ruben Blades, and oh. all these Randall Tex Cobb, some really cool, oh no shit, cool, weird, eclectic group. And um, I just watched him the other day in Raising Arizona. He's a great actor. <laughs> that's great, man. He's, that movie was that movie was wild. That's one of the that's that low point of view shot in the mm -hmm. supermarket. <laughs> the image images in that in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. They're the best. Come on, man. fucking shit. I love Big Brother Lebowski. Big Lebowski is my wife. It's every day. It's like let's just watch the Big Lebowski. You know, it's she's she's classic, a classic, man. It's the dude floating in space, man. Sorry, I was interrupting you. So nah. you're working. Well, that's what I do with Pryor. <laughs> so we're in a shower stall, and um, and we became friends. We would go to dinner. I would. I, I I was the guy. I'm I'm always wanting to make things better somehow. I was raised that way by my dad and my mom to try to make peace for people that's the, the thing and and he liked that i would invite him because people didn't invite him to shit because he was kind of unapproachable to some people oh right so we would go to dinner and we would laugh and i would make him laugh we, we had to do one scene 40 takes because one shot that was a long steady camp shot we had a dead body in it that was covered in water and i was supposed to say something like oh the guy was in the drink we found it but it was such a fake looking body and every time i said this serious line i was this young doctor Richard just cracked up. And so he's looking in my face, and there's no bigger yeah, look honor. Look at you. Look at you, baby face motherfucker. Fuck, How man. old were you then? T uh, 26, 27. Wow. And. Wow. That was a good scene. That's Ruben. Wow. I remember all of this. Really, he and I. So he couldn't. The fact that he couldn't look in my face and kept laughing, and it was a serious scene. Do you know what an honor that is? Oh man! So the guy amazing. that was an idol. So I'm I'm sitting in the shower with him, and he takes shows me this thing. This is graphic. He shows me this scrubbing brush, and one side's soft, and the other side's just bristles. And he says, "I don't think he'd mind me telling you this. I always think about when you talk about someone that you love that's deceased. Would they be okay with what you're saying?" So it's not TMZ garbage. So he would take the the hard scrubbing part and he said, This is what this is what they took my skin off with. Mm. After the fire, they had to scrub my whole body with this shit. And I just sat there and I I remember crying. I, I think there was a the, the combined empathy. And then I told him of like my sister that died, and then he was telling me, you know, you just get close with people. And then one night I didn't invite him to dinner because he'd had a hard day, and he was mad at me the next day. 
And I was like, oh my God. So he was enjoying. So I said, but he, but he was, he was in a rough place. He was, you know, he yeah. was not, he was a complicated human. But I, I remember saying to him, because when you're acting, you're just, I don't know, I was green. I said, so you're upset with me. I'm so sorry. This means we're friends, right? Because I upset <laughs> you, right? And then he went, to, we went to dinner again. Because wow. that's like. He's the classic complicated comedian, right? Yeah, classic. with the hardest shit. Drug grow, addiction, all the chaos. Growing up in a Yeah, everything. Growing house. up in a, a, yeah, he grew brothel. up in a brothel. Yeah, I mean, that's his headshot on the wall over there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, I think he was 19. And he was they, doing the button-down Bill Cosby way of doing stand-up. Yeah. But it's still, when you look at, everybody goes, oh, he went and flipped like George Carlin, and all of a mm -hmm. sudden he was a different guy. He was still the same guy. You still saw, even though Cosby, I know, was mad at him because he thought he was lifting some of his stuff, or, but Cosby would get mad at a lot of people, but he's doing fine now. Um, <laughs> well, I think everybody <laughs> starts out in imitation of the people they really love and respect. Who did it's you normal. start out? Richard Jenny a lot. Yeah. He, he and Yeah, I remember on stage once, I caught myself. I had like a year into comedy. I was like, "Jesus Christ, like I'm I'm aping his mannerisms." Like I was I was But I don't see that when no, I see No, I got rid you. of it. I, re I realized that you know, you become who you are, but in the beginning, yeah. you know, I think it's normal. I mean, it happens with bands. You know, look, Stevie Ray Vaughan was deeply influenced by Jimi Hendrix. It's like, yeah. You, you, and then he became Stevie Ray Vaughan. Even when he does Voodoo Child, like if you listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan's cover of Voodoo Child, it's Stevie Ray Vaughan. It's still, it's Voodoo Child, but it's Stevie Ray Vaughan's version. He became right. his own man. And I think uh, all of us in the beginning got into comedy because we wanted to be some comedian that we really admired. And when I was just starting out, I got a chance to see uh, Rich Jenny a few times. And I remember being baffled by his ability to turn over material. It was stunning. It, 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 so prolific. You're, so you're, you're, prolific. You're going to make me cry because I, I was close with him, as close as you could get because he had such mental health issues. I didn't believe he died, and uh, I, uh, Dave Coulier, instant messaged me. That's how, not how you want to find that out. So I called his number, um, and his girlfriend the next morning, and his girlfriend answered and just said, "It's true, Bob." And I went, "Oh fuck!" Because I didn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I met him a few times. Um, I saw him live a, f a few times in the early days, and then once, you know, this was like when I was an open micer. I mean, I went to see him live at Catch Rising Star in Cambridge when I was just starting out, and I sat in the front row and he made fun of me. It was great. Because <laughs> uh, I had seen him on The Tonight Show. That The first time I'd ever seen him was on The Tonight Show, and he did a bunch of appearances on The Tonight Show, and then I'd seen um, one of his uh, TV specials, one of his hour specials, and then um, I got a chance to see him several times. And I've told this story. Forgive me if you heard it on the podcast, folks. But uh, we were at Eastside Comedy Club. And uh, he had just been there. And the host was just – I got there like Saturday night after the late show. And the host was like, he did four different hours. He did two different hours Friday night and two di different hours Saturday night and murdered. And they were like, Jesus Christ. And – this was me. I was like three years in a comedy, and I remember thinking, "God damn, that is so. That was so impossible to even imagine yeah. that someone could be that good." 
then I got this chance to see him a year later at um, um, the Comedy Works in Montreal as a part of the festival, the Just for Laughs festival. Yeah, yeah. He was in that little, you remember, you ever worked that place, Jimbo's place? No. No? No, I just oh did God. the, uh, I did a show there at the Place des Arts for uh, some broadcasted show that I hosted. Jimbo, the guy who owned the club in Montreal, had this little tiny club that was upstairs. He had oh, a great a, bar wait downstairs. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I did it the night seats. before. I was there. Yeah, I was there. That's where you go. Yeah. the night before anything. I did yeah. it with Jim Norton, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I did it with Norton. Yeah, and Brewer. Yes, I did it with Brewer too. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was fun as shit. Oh, I was, was going, the where the what the fuck am I doing? Always, you can't always play gigantic. Well, you're taking over the world. You're, you know, you're, I like little play, places too, man. Though I, I love. But you play places. spaceships now. I play big places, but I, I still. I admire the fuck like out of what you're places. doing. By the way, I, Thank you I have much. to tell you that because, you know. Uh, there's like five people. Kevin Hart thinks he's two of them. That can, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, comedy rock star shit. Yeah, I subscribe. You know. Well, he's and, doing it, and and you're doing it. And to be on a thing with Chappelle, and to be able to do that, and to be able to go out there, especially where we're at right now. And this is not. I'm not. There's no nothing on my nose right now. I'm just telling you the truth from my heart. Um, it's. I do this. I've always done it, but more so now. I'm 64 years old now even though I look, you know, 63. Uh, but you're, what you're able to do, if you can unify people um, in a room and, or, or in a drive-in <laughs> or at these giant places that you're doing, um, it is absolutely beautiful. And especially now, uh, whenever you're able to do those dates that are coming up, People will never forget it when we come out of this. That's very nice. I don't know if we're going to be able to. I've kind of resigned myself to. I think we will. I, I'm fine. Listen, like legitimately, I'm fine working in comedy clubs for the rest of my life. I don't give a fuck. I just like doing stand up. And that's one of the things that I've gotten out of this. You know, I've been doing the last few years I've been doing arenas and they're great. But so is the OR at the comedy store. Yep. That's great, too. I'm fine with that. I don't, I honestly, I just like doing stand-up. If we can never do arenas again, if no one ever, no rock bands, no UFC ever does an arena again, no football games are ever in a sold-out arena, okay. But you can't do UFC in, in the OR. Well, they're doing UFC with no crowd. That's true. And it's amazing. I love it. I've, I've called uh, two, yeah, two fights now with no audience, and it's, I, I enjoy it, man. It's great. I st I'm just happy that the fights are happening. And like when I did, uh, I did shows in Houston a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was talking to you. Yeah. Wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, so. me, Tony Hinchcliffe, and Brian Moses. We uh, we did the, the Houston Improv. We had a great time. First of all, it's a great room. It, it's a great room. I was supposed to go there, and I had to I had to not because of what's going on now. Yeah, but um, you went in. I I was like, wow, brave well, brave just motherfucker. Fucking, we wanted to. We just wanted to. You know, first of all, I missed I missed doing shows, but I miss hanging out with comics on the road. Yeah. It's fun, you know? And My buddy Mike Young, I, I, we always sure, tour, I tour together. And it's like um, with my brother. You yes, know? it's fun. You, you, and, you know, and that's, that's the big thing, is like touring on the road with people you love. It's the best, because like Moses is the best. I love him, and I, don't and know I love him. Tony. He hosts Roast I, Battle. 
Oh, I know. He's great. And, and, and Tony I love is Tony. one of my best friends. So it's like, to be with these guys, we were just... From the moment we saw each other, we'd go to restaurants, we'd do shows. It was all smiles and laughs. Yeah. Like, holy shit, we're doing stand-up again. This is crazy. Moses had done the weekend before. He did, um, I forget. Oh, he did American Comedy Company in San Diego. He did that place, which is apparently was open, and now they're closed again. They closed La Jolla again, too. They were doing La the uh, La Jolla store. Sorry to hear that. Well, you know, they got to take precautions. Listen, man, I was pretty nonchalant about it in terms of, like, not worried. But as more time has gone on in, in terms of, like, getting sick, my, my fear is getting somebody else sick. That's number one. Well, that's... That's the key. That's the empathy. That's what's fucking lacking, and that's what's lacking from our administration. That there's empathy. We we need empathy. Well, we were talking about that earlier. We were talking about Mary Trump's book. I read some passages out of it today. I haven't read the the whole book, but I right. I read this long piece on it about Trump's was she close with him as a kid when she know. was young? I don't know, but it's his niece. Um, her brother was his, uh, or her father rather was his brother, um, and you kind of understand. I mean, if she's being honest, and I, I'm su I assume she is. First of all, it's very well written. She's obviously extremely intelligent, like very eloquent. Like the way she's writing it, and, and I believe she has a background in psychology. Um, and the way she writes it, it doesn't. it's not like a hateful thing. Like she's basically explaining why he's so fucked up and why he lacks empathy. And what she said was that the father was like a sociopath and the mother was never around and was absent and d didn't give him any love or attention and only you and according to her use the children to comfort herself instead of being there for them and that he developed this narcissistic self-centered personality in response to that and that his father would you know would any time he showed emotions or any time he showed need, his father would cast that aside and squash that inside of him. That's very clear. Yeah. So he developed this. That's the thing that's most disturbing about him. When I talk to people that are fans of Trump and they say, why aren't you like, what do you least like? I go, what I least look, first of all, I don't understand the economy. So when people say he's good for the economy, he's good for business. I, is, is that short term? What, what does that mean long term? That, that was pre-COVID. That, yes. that, that's of all course. that well, was. The world's fucked economically post-COVID. He we don't is even not know. the president right. for where we're at. Right. But the, but the thing that bothers he me most. He could adjust if he would. But he's not capable. The, the, the problem is the lack of empathy. Like when he would make, like when he talked about John McCain, he said, I, I like soldiers that don't get captured. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy thing to say to a well, guy who's a war hero. I mean, it's funny. You know, you're laughing at it because you're a comic. But oh, I'm laughing at it because of the. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not laughing at. Well, not only I mean, that. it's horrific. This is it's, a guy. I, who I unfortunately deferred. will be the first person to laugh at the worst gallows. Of course, joke. you're a comic, right? And then it'll get misquoted, and then I'm a asshole, right? And you've been misquoted lately. Yeah. Terribly. There's, there's no way around that. No. Especially in this day and age when they could redefine you with something out of context. But the I, point is that what what they're, what it shows, this the lack of empathy is the last thing we need right now. 
Well, we need empathy. We need someone who can say something that calms people down and brings us together and inspires us, man. People need inspiration, and we need to know and understand that we are all in this together. And we can go forth and pretend we're not and keep burning buildings and keep going crazy and screaming in the streets for the heads of politicians and kill the cops and all that crazy shit. Or or take your mask off. That's my fucking right. And fuck you. He, He never... He wants love. That's the crazy part. He wants to be loved. He thinks he's Don Rickles. He wants to, when he puts people down and say, punch him in the mouth and stuff, he, he's trying to be that guy. I've known people like him who are just assholes. Yeah, but Don Rickles wasn't an asshole. That's no, why it worked. he was like a dad to me. He, he was, was a lovely guy. That's why love. it worked. When he would shit on you, it's like when guys no, who it's are a really gift. Fu- It's yes. like the Pope. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, when guys. Some guys can shit on you, and it's look. That's the beauty of roast battle, right. Brian Moses' show. The beauty of roast battle is these people are shitting on the most embarrassing aspects of each other, and they're both laughing at it, and it's great. And that's what Jeff Ross. Yes. That's his whole exactly. theory is I only roast the ones I love. Yes, which comes from the old friars and yes. old maskers before that. Well, and that's Ross's thing. I mean, he loves those. He back the Buddy in the Hackett day, and all when that. We were in New York. He would be like, I'm going to the Friars Club. You want to come? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're gonna hang out with a bunch of old dead men? Like that's how I look. And how at much it. fun did you have? I didn't go. Oh, but he was. <laughs> but he was always that guy. Was so my. You point. really didn't want to be with a bunch of old dead men. <laughs> Listen, man, I back then in particular, I was crazy. Like this is uh, what me were you at doing 24, at the time? 25. Oh. I would just I had just stopped fighting. I I was I was just no, no longer competing. So I was still I still had like this maniacal mindset. I was a crazy person. You know, I just wanted to play pool and go stay up all night. And I were didn't you single then? Old, yes, I didn't want to hang out with a bunch of old dudes. Right, old dudes and listen to some old jokes and listen to them talk about the Jackie Gleason show. Like, no, no, gotta go, bro. The only he thing always loved I have one fun experience that Jeff took me there for lunch. I go there. This is maybe 15 years ago. I think I was there because I was doing the Jack Black roast, which was at the Hilton. I was the host. I was the the. Uh, whatever you call it, the, the MC, the roast master. Yes, the and and so Jack was being roasted, and it's for charity. And so I I go there, and I hadn't been in the Friars, and I sit there, and and I'm just sitting with Jeff, and I get the phone. There's a phone next to me, and the phone rings. They go, Mister Sackett, the phone's for you. And I pick it up, and a man goes, Look to your left, and I look to my left, and it's an old Jewish guy with orange hair, and he goes, Fuck you. <laughs> I went, what? Who was he it? Goes, well, Red Skelton? I don't know. <laughs> he day. looked like Red Buttons. I don't know. And I go, what? Do I know you? He goes, fuck you. Welcome to the Friars. And he hung up. That's hilarious. And that was, that to me was kind of cool. I, now. It's probably a COVID Petri dish now. I don't think so. Those guys don't <laughs> I, make it. I think it's long gone. To, yeah. I think the Friars Club is gone. Yeah. I would have loved, like now, as a person who like appreciates the history of comedy, I kind of wish I went to one of those things just to see what, what it was like to hang out with those guys. I got to meet Red Skelton once. That was pretty cool. That's that was, really nice. That was at an NBC event back when I was, I think I was on Fear Factor. <clears throat> but it was, um, it was cool to, to meet him. Did you enjoy that Fear show? Factor? Yeah. I enjoyed the money. That's all I enjoyed. I enjoyed the people I worked with. They were fun people. I what enjoyed year, when what people, year was that? When did you start? 2001 to 2006. I enjoyed um, I enjoyed some of it. I enjoyed like when nice people won. I enjoyed I enjoyed like helping people overcome 
like this a situation where they were really nervous and I could coach them and talk them through because it brought me back. Uh, like I used to, t I used to teach martial arts and I, I used know. to coach a lot of kids in particular. I'd bring them to tournaments and I would, I would train them. And then, you know, like these 14, 15 year old kids, I'd take them to tournaments and they'd be fucking panicking and I would talk them through it. And I would say, you're going to get through this and you're going to be a better person because you got through this. Cause it's so scary when you get through something so scary, you become stronger. And this is something you just have to go through. And if you just sh shy away from this, you'll shy away from this your whole life. But you can get through this. Other people have done it, and you can do it too. And I took a lot of that over to Fear Factor. And that's what I, what I loved is those moments where you would see someone overcome, and then they would be so happy. And then I'd be so happy too. I cried a bunch of times at people. That's won. why you're so good on it. I was doing the video show, and... Um, there were things I was like, well, this isn't my personality. Uh, and other times I'd go, okay, these are, people are flying in. They're being flown in to L.A. They made a video of their kid reciting all the presidents when he was two. Right. Uh, they're all there. And then I go, and what are you going to do with the $10,000? And the father says, I'm going to make a down payment on our first house. And the guy's like 50 years old. And I'm like... I'm glad I got this job right yeah. now. Yeah, that that's when I go. It was it was worth to see all those people get hit in the nuts for no reason. <laughs> yeah, that's like there's there's moments on in these competition shows where you really do feel like you feel like the world got a little lighter. Like people got elevated when you see someone win. You know, when you see people win things. When you see people, I love watching people do better I, lo I love watching them overcome i love watching them like uh, go through some difficult thing and figure it out and get through it and that the feeling of relief and of of of, of just watching the adulation and, and and everybody's cheering and they're like yes and I the did surprise it. and yes, yet the producers everything. know they've got something special but will yeah. it deliver howie mandel's a dear friend forever and he's on america's got talent so here's a show that i always was against competition shows i wouldn't go on star search when i was broke i just didn't believe in comedians competing against things yeah and then did you ever go on any of those competition things? No, no, I didn't. So I'm watching America's Got Talent, and they, and they have a handicapped person come out who sings just like a, you've never heard anyone sing so good. And then you see the true joy in the people. It's not just showbiz bullshit right. selling something, right. and that's that feeling. That's yeah, that you came from something that you never – it's a dream fulfilled, and yeah. it's about the human spirit. The human spirit. Yeah, that's real. I mean, it's not, people, it's so fun to be cynical for some people and the shit on that, but some of my favorite I used moments to. in I used life, to be more cynical and shit on it. It's easy to be, especially as a comic when you're struggling, when you're making your way through the, you, you know, we, we joke about the worst things where, you know, a lot of us are bitter, I'm a lot of us are jealous. I'm not bitter, but I do joke about things I can't. I can't do it. I know. I need two minutes to tee up some horrible joke <laughs> and then three minutes to get the fuck out of what I just did. And that's going to continue because I can't not say stuff. It is a part of being a person who's a, a stand-up comedian. that You know that there's a thing you're not supposed to say and you're going to say it. And if you do say it, you know I'm going to laugh. And you're going to say it and I'm going to laugh. We're going to go, you motherfucker. I can't believe you said <laughs> is that. It because, when do, I, I've asked this of many comedian friends and people. When do you think... I mean, is it a, is it the teenager in us? Is it that guy that's being told don't do this? Um, I don't is know. it? A, did you lock in at sixteen? Do you feel? <laughs> I kind of feel sometimes I locked in at nine. 
because that was the world hadn't fallen apart for me. I didn't see what fuck how fucked up everything I was. I mean, you could go deep psychologically with it, but I think at the end of the day, we enjoy. First of all, when you, comedians are around comedians, is when that shit's the worst. Right, that's when the most gallows humor. Oh, I try to outworst everybody, of just because, and that's how I made friends. Well, that's, <laughs> that's when you why. take those things out of context in quotes. That's when you're going to get the most in trouble. People right. don't. They. It's there. It's gonna for a non-comic to understand some of the horrible shit we'll say at Cantor's Deli at two o'clock in the morning. That was fun. And be laughing, ah! like dying, falling under the table, and all we're trying to do is make each other laugh. It's not we're horrible, mean people secret hoping everybody gets cancer that's not what we're doing we just we're saying inappropriate things because it's fun to do because I know you're a good guy and I know you don't mean it that's the only way it works it's letting air out of the pressure cooker yeah it's stating that's why people go how could you do that it's too soon you don't do that joke sometimes you don't do that joke I do mean you, we're, do you know Brian Holtzman uh, vaguely yes Brian Holtzman is a legend for doing material way too soon that only makes comics laugh, but he'll do it on stage. <laughs> do you remember Susan Smith? She's a lady who drowned her children. Yeah. And at first she said someone stole the car or something like that, and then it turned out. Brian Holtzman's on stage the week that happens, and he goes, I heard those were bad kids. He goes, I heard they sat right. that close to the TV. They never put away their blocks. They spilt their milk. Those kids will not be missed. And people are like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's and the whole they had it coming thing. Exactly. We were fucking crying. We couldn't believe and, you know, people would say, oh, these horrible comedians, they love this shock and they're just mean and they just want mean comedy. It's not even that. It's hard to explain to a person that's outside of the business. But to, to me, like, like if I'm around Jeff Ross and something like that happens... I expect that he's going to turn to me and say something fucked he up. He wants to be the first person to say it. <laughs> of course. And I go, Jeff, no. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm saying no with love. Yes, of course. Of course. Kennison, I actually, uh, I'm going to date myself. Uh, I don't have to now because I'm married. That's the kind of jokes I shouldn't do. No, that's the ones. I, but I know as I'm saying them, but I still say them. You can't help it. It's a dad joke thing. Yeah. Bill Burr said to me, he was a guest on my 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 nubile podcast, and Bill said to me, uh, you know what your act is, Saget? He said, your act is all the lines you couldn't say on Full House, and you just say fuck all around it. That's what your <laughs> act is. And I went, what? What do you say? And then he pummeled me for 20 minutes, and I fucking loved it. And then I attacked him for like 10 minutes. But he is, he's uh, one of the best people He's one of my favorite people. He's ever. one of my favorite people yeah. on the earth. He went to I just my love wedding to wind him up. Oh fuck! <laughs> I was I, I was I had nine stories to start, but that's why this is. I'm so happy to be doing this. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank I, you. I haven't talked to anybody. <laughs> I know you've been stuck, right? Well, I had a Zoom last night, uh, night before, with uh, Norman Lear and a bunch of musician friends. And, oh wow! And we talk about the world, and we talk about what the fuck are we gonna do, and. And it's just uh, interesting. It's it's and we used to we would do it in person. We'd all sing songs for four or five hours into the night and have different friends show up. Stamos came, John Mayer came, Dave Koz always comes to it, and it'd be music. You you play right? No, I thought you were a musician. No, zero musical talent. But zero. you love. I love music. Love it. Yeah, but it's one of the things I love about music 
is I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> I don't know how to. I mean, I love. I can just enjoy it. You, you should know? start a band, though. <laughs> just for the fuck of nothing. it. Yeah, yeah. Just get like three people that can't play. No, I'm a bit too busy. But I do. I do love music. I love it. I, one of the one of the things I love about it is the fact that I have no skin in the game. Uh, you know, it's like I love comedy, but I do it. You know, so when I see someone make a great bit, part of me's like, God, I wish I wrote that. Right. I get, you know what I mean? I don't get jealous, but I go like, fuck. Yeah. Or I'll see it and go, wait, I did that 20 years ago. Well, there's always that, right? There's always parallel thinking. But the other thing that gets me is like, if I see someone really kill, I want to go home and write. It's like, I get inspired to create. Yeah. Whereas music just makes me happy. Like if I like I've had like my friends Honey Honey come in here and play and Gary Clark Jr.'s been in here and wow. Everlast has played in here. Like I've had a bunch of people play music in here. And there's there's something about watching someone do something that you have zero talent in. It's really special. Well, like, I think comics really do we wanna be musicians. We worship music people. Some, yeah. Some. I mean I yes, not all of them, obviously. Yeah, I never had any desire to be a musician at all, zero. None. Bill Burr plays the drums like oh, he's a good. son of a bitch. Well, I was talk I was going to say something about him. I finally did something that actually stayed on topic, I think. Um, he came to my wedding, and then he had to go do a, a gig. And he does the gig, and his wife stayed. Um, and he, he comes back in a different outfit, like a pink jacket. He left my wedding and is such a good friend. He came back again because he was so happy for me, because who the fuck else would want me than uh, my wife? Um, and he's just, um, I was there in Philly at the, at the in Camden, at the Tweeter Center, it was called, when we were on the Opie and Anthony virus tour. So it was Tracy Morgan, myself, Louis C.K. Is that the one where Dom Herrera got heckled and he went on and, and he literally attacked the crowd? It made Bill Burr a legend. I, that was when... Bill, I was he standing there. Philadelphia. I was standing there. I was at under the fucking monitor, right through the curtain that I was going to come out. I had the sweet spot, you know. Bob will do like twenty five minutes in, in the middle because I'm yeah, I was just a bitch. So then they put me there, and it it was a sweet spot because you take a lot of bullets coming up with a Philly audience, you know, and a Jersey audience. And Bill, I I'd, I'd known him, but I I'd known him through clubs, but I but. He got out there, and they were booing him, and he's so fucking awesome. His The way he's made that whole fucking Boston brilliance, and he just started to pummel them back and said the worst things you can say, every inappropriate thing you could possibly say, calling, talking about their cheesesteaks and the Sixers and just, you know, the thing you yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And I watched it, and I'm like, this is fucking great fuck and I you was, and fuck the liberty bell <laughs> every, exactly it's 15 minutes he did yeah. it and at the end the boos were as loud as the cheers I think he got a standing ovation he didn't see it oh. he comes off stage like a fighter he's all sweaty said, did you see that it was fucking horrible what the fuck was that I went Bill that was great are you kidding that was fucking amazing no, he never, killed, he I, killed. And, and then he still didn't believe me and then I said you're gonna remember this this is going to, you don't know what just happened here. If there's a tape of this, this is this is going to change. You don't even know. And I bring it up to him and he's like, he doesn't want to talk about it. But it is, it, it was a defining moment for his 
everything. Yeah, no, he's he's that guy that can just take a moment and rant on things. Like he knows how to rant better than anybody I know in terms of like in the moment, pick things apart and piece them like he, that's what his podcast is. One of the brilliant things about his podcast, he does it two times a week and it's just him. Yeah. It's just him ranting, which is crazy that he's got that sort of muscle that he can just rant on things by himself. Just starts reading things and getting pissed off about this. You know what? Here's what the fucking problem is. And then he, he just goes off. And what's amazing is he knows what you know, what I what I what I know, uh, that you're not he's not alone. He's talking to ev- yes. uh, all of it. So well, he's ranting to people that love him, and he knows they love him. He's he's comfortable, and he he mm-hmm. loves people. Yeah, he's one of the sweetest. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. But I, he I does love something him that up. that Chappelle does that I that I th- find them both so uh, brave that they know where their a point is and they know where their their end game is. That's really well phrased. But uh, it's like they dive into they they make a statement. Then they dive into a pool with no water in it, you know, metaphorically. And then they know where you, their exit is. They know it. And the and, exit and comes it, out strong. Yeah. And it, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And That's sometimes it's not quite as close, but then they still know how to fluff the, fluff the, fu- the final. Well, they but both know brilliant. how to take a subject. And I mean, it's one of the cool things about being at the store is you get to see like the beginnings of those bits that a, a guy like Chappelle or Burr or anybody will start out and then flesh it through and figure it out and then tighten it up. And then by the time they're filming a special, it's a, it's a weapon. I got to go there more. I was starting to come there more. In fact, you well, were nice closed, enough Bob. to bring me up. Oh. Yeah, it's close. I meant come, the, come there more. Disease? A lot of people in the back of that store. I got stories. I, I mean, Disease I, stories? I, no, people, people are fucking there. <laughs> Do you Kennison, think... I, I I got Kennison his first spot at the store. You got him his first spot. Yeah, like you I were told there Mitzi, the first time he went on stage. Yeah, I well, met what him. What year in, is this? Uh, fuck, long time. Eighty, uh, eighty. I didn't have a gig. Eighty three, eighty four. I don't well, know. The, and that's crazy because eighty six, he was famous. Yeah. What happened was this. So he'd already been teed up for Mitzi to watch, but I had set up the. I told her to watch him. I met him in Houston, and he was kicked out of the comedy workshop in Houston because of the shit he would say on stage because he had been running his, you know, tent show of faith healing with his brother Bill. And uh, they would they told me some real fucked up stories about shit they would do. It was a bit charlatan and a bit trying to help people, but also talking about Jesus quite a bit. And um, he, he was... Cynical about it, but also very confused, very conflicted about it, about what what is it? Because uh, his dying on, on the ground, supposedly, he looked up at the sky and was talking to God, is what Bill tells us. When I met him— Carl LeBeau says. Carl LeBeau was there. Carl was there? Yeah, Carl was there when it happened. That's a whole complicated uh, non— uh, Non-story right now because it's a heavy sparks story. Might, it's very fucking heavy. Right? Yeah, their story is very, very heavy. I was around. Yeah, I was around for all of it. I, I, I was there in the building for those six, seven years. So what happened was, um, when I met him, you would have had the same response. He goes, "They won't let me work here." I met him at the comedy workshop. Meet me at one in the afternoon. He shows me. He posted. He shows me this uh, telephone pole, and he had put a picture of himself on it. 
and he kept putting up, they kept taking down. He was in the Houston Chronicle on the front page of the Arts and Entertainment, and he dressed himself, because they banned him from the club, in a diaper um, and a crown of thorns and blood coming from the, the crown of thorns down his face with his eyes rolled back in his head and said that he had been persecuted just like Jesus from playing the comedy workshop. <laughs> but it's pretty fucking heavy, you know? And he had made it quite a name for himself and had a following there. And went, I don't know what to do, man. I want to come out to L.A. And I went, well, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, I was playing the Laugh Stop in Houston. In River and, Oaks. Yeah. I used to work that place. I liked it. I did a- uh, guy named Howard. Um, oh, who was the owner then? Um, out. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, this is our first dead air. It was Go great. Ahead. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. What happened? Was, what happened was uh, Sam. I sat in mid, next to Mitzi in her booth. He got on stage and he did the whole bit before he had done the young comedian show that I was on with that Rodney did Rodney's first young comedian show. And it was the whole thing about, you know, the the kid in the, whenever they do those world vision commercials with a starving kid. And, you know, it's famous, yeah. the most famous, one of the most famous things that any comedian's done, which was just a truism. Yeah. Which is the cameraman can give them a sandwich, starving kid. Go get out of the desert. Go to where the food is. That's a bit that I used in a conversation with a guy. It was a weird conversation. There was a guy who wrote a book on comedy. He was teaching a comedy course at a university. And he was sitting here talking to me, and he said that the best comedy always punches up. Because there was a time when people really believed that nonsense. Like that there was a formula to comedy, and that comedy should always yeah. attack the, the large power structures, and that the small people should be you know, elevated by comedy. So he's sitting here telling me this. I go, that's nonsense. I go, one of the greatest bits of all time is literally about starving children. Yeah. There's no listen to Carlin. No further down that you could punch. One of his other great bits was about dead people getting fucked in the ass. You remember that? Yeah. The bit about homosexual necrophiliacs who would pay money to be with the freshest male corpse. Those are two bits where you're punching down as low as you can. Someone's dad died, and this this guy's fucking him. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't get any. There's no further was, you can punch down. He was on stage in the main room, and he was doing a bit. Where uh, he says, "This is what happened to my marriage," and he would unplug the mic. "This is my dick," you know. And he, you know, without he, didn't, he did not need a mic to prove the point. But he would lay on the on the ground with his girth, and he would pretending he was having sex with his wife from behind. And he goes, "This is what happened to my marriage." And she, as he says, "I'm trying to fuck her," and he's like, "She's like, we gotta fix the fence." And he goes, "Shut the fuck up! I'm trying to fuck." Him. This is <laughs> it needs a new coat of paint. <laughs> you know, but we can't. You know, you can't do that now. Really, I mean, you could if you were Sam. He uh, could do it again. He could if do he it. was alive now. He could do it. First of all, he was uniquely. He was uniquely qualified for that kind of comedy because you he was short and he was fat and he was going bald and he wore a beret and, and, he wore, and the long coat yeah, yeah, and he was hanging out with all the rock and yeah. roll and porn people. And the, the coat he came on stage like he was a child molester or something. You yeah. know? I mean that was look at that. Look at that picture. That's him and Bill Hicks. Uh, I love Bill. Wow. That's a crazy picture. Bill was the sweetest, most timid guy. Does Bill have his nails done there? So he's got nail polish on. What's going on with his tips? Oh, it's the shadows. But 
that was Sam was a sweetie then. So when you see him then, I mean, when you go on stage, he's that was part of why it worked. You know, it wasn't yeah. like you know, if he was John Mulaney and he had that act, you know, handsome and slim. That you know, now hard to pull the, off. Right. You had to be. You had to look like you got fucked over. He looked like he got fucked over. And he did. And he did. And he did. And he was doing faith healing shows. And they told me a story where he had been, <laughs> I wasn't going to tell it, but it's fucking weird. Yeah. So they're, they're healing people. So this they're in some godforsaken place. I don't know where. And uh, he goes, come up here and we're going we're gonna to heal you. And like a, a seven foot tall guy with drawstring pants and a t-shirt, he said he was like Lenny from Mice and Men. There was he was mentally impaired. He said he was going to come up and he was going to do the whole thing with him and get out the spirit and all that. And as his guys coming up, he runs up to the stage and he's so tall he hits his head on a beam and he splits his head open, but he doesn't fall down. Bill, his brother, will tell you this story. And the guy's pants fall down and he had the biggest dick in the world. <laughs> and so his head is gushing blood and his dick is swinging. And he's going, oh, oh, like young Frankenstein, um, Peter Boyle. And it's horrifically upsetting. And the way I, it's been told to me, I don't know if these stories whisper down the lane, is that they went back to the same place after a while. The guy came back and he had some other mishap. I, I don't want to say he hit his head again, but he <laughs> fell. He was the same guy just trying to have a redo to get healed. Oh, it God. Went, I mean, I don't know what's more embarrassing. Well, if your head gets split open, but the whole room can see you've got a giant cock, maybe it's a blessing and a curse. I don't know. There's probably a few gals that hit him up after that. But drawstring pants means there's not a lot of cleanliness down in the junk. Well, you could wash them up. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a gal looking for a big dick, like there it is. If or you a guy know? looking for a big dick, or maybe a guy you can trick into fucking you. Yeah, that would be the the yeah. move. Or He's some you could play not that uh, bright. like you do with a bat in baseball. Mm, just right, happens for that. I don't, yeah, who gets the, the first at bat? <laughs> it's the top. It's that. It's that. Make that sound again. I can't do. I can't. I don't know. And I can't roll my R's either. But then the answer to Kennison, how quick he popped, was after that set, like a week later, Rodney came in to see him. And I'd known Rodney. Rodney liked me. I like you. I met him at the, in La Jolla. He came up to me. You're funny, man. You're a Jew. You're never going to be happy. you got a fast mind. You're all fucked up, man. You're never going to be happy. And he was trying to clean up at La Costa. And he comes in. He goes, I can't do it, man. No booze, no coke, no pot, no pills. I can't do it. And he's with two women. And uh, <laughs> and we and I hung out with him all weekend. He stayed at the – he kept coming to the condo and hung out with me. And Kennison, he saw Sam and I love this guy. So I do the Young Comedian special on HBO. I had a great set right before Sam. I had a 15-minute set. Sam had a 15-minute set. I was in it for three and a half minutes. Sam was in it for 15 minutes <laughs> because it was it was a monumental. Was it was, and then a year later, he was in back to school. Yeah. So that's why it was a three-year deal with him. That's crazy. And he was a sweetheart. When I was uh, 19, I worked as a security guard at Great Woods Center for the Performing Arts in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Right. And Rodney was there, and he was backstage. And uh, I, I was like, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I was backstage. It was like a hallway. It's hard to know if this is a real memory, because when you're 19, your brain is mush. And it was so long ago, and I got hit in the head a lot. But there, I remember 
they were talking about how he didn't have any pants on. No, never. And he, he had a, a bathrobe. Yeah, balls and out. I remember him pa- pacing back and forth <laughs> and uh, looking down the hallway. I know I definitely saw him at least once, and I definitely saw him on stage with the bathrobe on. But I remember looking down the hallway, seeing this guy. I'm like, how crazy? He doesn't have any pants on. He's going to go on stage. Like, this is what. And then him up there. Just didn't give a fuck. I mean, didn't give, had no fucks to give. He was a movie star. He had become his, a, at 58, by the yeah. way, it was Caddyshack. That's how long it took him. He was in his 60s when yeah. I saw him and apparently smoked a shitload of pot backstage. Every day. And went on stage, hey, my wife, uh, uh, and just just murdered. I mean, one punchline after another punchline. And people don't know the story about him. Quit doing comedy for years and became an aluminum siding salesman. He was born Jacob Cohen, changed it to Jack Roy, and then a club owner called him Rodney Dangerfield. That's how he was named by a wow. club owner. Wow. What had, club? I don't know. I don't know. But he had a rough go. He had, he had as rough a go. He had the no respect thing was if you're going to pick a, a brand, a catchphrase, it oh, wasn't yeah. a catchphrase. It was his mantra. Yeah. Well, that 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 made him, you know, I got no respect. I'll tell you no respect at all. I but fucking he loved doing him. That? He oh, would have loved God. he would have loved you like loved you because of the, the fuck he always said. And I've said this before. So I, I'm sorry if anybody uh, has heard me say this, but he always said the, the key man is you just go like a tank, like a tank, because nobody wants you to make it. Everybody's trying to stop you. You just go like a tank. Fuck them all. Just go like a tank. Because he had come up. It took him so long to get anywhere. And he would go on Tonight Show. And there, if you look at any of these clips that they're running all over the Internet, it's fucking killer. And Carson's hitting the desk. And it's just it's real special. Well, he was a special guy. The story was special, too, because it showed that. You know, he was trying to make it, and it fell apart, and then he took a long—didn't he take, like, 10 years off? Yeah, it was aluminum siding was the years of— Many years. Yeah. And then he came back and became the biggest fucking movie star in the world. But he couldn't—it took him to 58, and they put him in Caddyshack, and a lot of the jokes were his. Yeah. And and then a lot of them—I mean, it was, you know— Harold Ramis and stuff. So it was the A team. Genius movie, and, man. Those uh, movies were so good. Fucking Bill Murray in that. Chevy was great, and everybody's great in that. Remember movie. when he's he's in the classroom and Kinnison's teaching him? Oh yeah. <laughs> Kinnison played, played a fucking off tilt Vietnam vet who's uh, screaming. <laughs> he just wrote him into it too. I was there. That's a great movie. Back to school. Oh, it's a fucking great movie. Yeah, man. and Easy Money was movie. really great. Yeah. Oh, he had some classics, man. Caddyshack. He had some classics. He was awesome. I officiated his funeral. Oh man, it was pretty pretty intense uh, to put him uh, away. I was with him in in the uh, emergency in the. Uh, sorry, I got a little uh, in the uh, uh, intensive care. I, he was in a coma, so I'd go in and talk. How to old him. was he when he passed? Eighty four. It's amazing. He did all that coke, and he made it to eighty four. He stopped doing coke. He just liked pot. But he did a lot of coke. When did he stop? I think about 10 years before he died. Still amazing. 74 years old doing coke. Going, I got another 10 years. I'll tell you what. (laughs) I can't. How do you stop? No booze, no coke, no pot, no pills. Yeah. I want to go back to something you were talking about. It's completely off comedy topic, cause, uh, but we'll come back to it. I don't know. It's your show. I don't know I don't what give to a fuck. Uh, There's no structure here. Trump, Trump's niece, the book. I, oh, I, I cut you off. I only read one passage. 
the it was just about empathy you know it's just uh, about why what's wrong with him psychologically you know and um when you whenever you see someone that seeks power like that seeks seeks that kind of uh adulation that's that kind of spotlight like what what is causing that like what is that you know what what makes someone want to be that person is it like you're fired you don't see any love out of them any sweetness there's i think as a as a nation at this time we need we need someone who has got a real message not some bullshit canned speech that's prepared by a focus group where they figured out all the right beats to hit and but they're not even the doing right the right beats i mean the mount no. rushmore speech could have had five six minutes in yeah. it that could have added some people to it well it's he's not that guy obama was that guy obama if if obama was stuck in this situation i really truly believe he could have given a speech that made us all feel like we're going to be okay 100 percent. 100 percent. he was an right? incredibly good uh cheerleader and, he was. and empowering and uh he was also it's like you knew his story his story is the opposite of trump's story Trump's story is he comes from a rich father, you know, he, the father gives him money, starts his businesses, he's known for being kind of shady, and, you know, Obama's the opposite. He comes from a single mom, grows up in Hawaii, you know, is, uh, it, it's just different. You, like, you know that he, he's gone through some shit to, to get there and had compassion. Yeah. We need that. We need someone who sees that we're hurting. You know, this nation is fucking hurting, man. You see what we were talking about earlier with the cops and all these murders that are happening in, in New York City and Chicago's got record murders. Oh, and it's, it's, it's horrific. It's crazy. Yesterday was horrific. Every day is. And there's no real hope in sight in terms of uh, the economy because everything's getting more locked down. Like today, what, was the, what got passed down today in California, they went back to almost stage one. They shut down all the gyms. What do they shut down? Yeah, my yoga teacher's been trying to get me to go to yoga. I'm like, mm, isn't that like a hot room? I do it. You can heavy? do it on uh, online. I do it at home, bro. Yeah. California closed to indoor rest uh, to close indoor restaurants, movie theaters, and bars statewide as coronavirus cases rise. Did so? Did it say gyms as well? Mm -hmm. Hair salons, barbershops, fitness centers, worship services. Oh my God! Worship services. So that's churches and synagogues? Churches, and... yep, everything. Well, it's got, it, it worked, when they suppress it, it works in countries, well, in places. Well, here's the thing, though, they keep saying, but it's okay to protest. <laughs> you can't, But they're, you then can't they're saying say that. that, I then you hear, and I don't know where I hear it, it might be left uh, information, uh -huh. uh, that a lot of protesters were protected, didn't get sick, is what I'm hearing. I can't believe that. Does that make any sense? Doesn't make any sense. They don't want to say that these incredibly significant historical protests have created an uptick in the virus that will likely lead to deaths. They don't want to say that. But both those things are true. Those those protests are very important. It's they're important, it, and they may and and they're moving the needle. Yeah, and the life is going to change. So that is uh, a positive for people that have been neglected for so long. It's but going, it's all at once. It's like some yes. fucking supreme weird litmus on the whole every whole universe. It's and, like and I don't think it's, it's sci-fi. I don't think it's over. I think we're going to get hit with a couple more wacky moments. Yeah, well, the meteor. 
That's not far. Or a solar flare that takes out the power grid. We just don't want to lose our Wi-Fi. That's all that we care Oh, the Wi-Fi is first. I go. thought this was germ warfare is what I thought this was. I didn't think this was. And wet markets are open again is, is what well, I'm Well, it's hearing. not from the wet market. That's what I want to know. Talk all, to me. All indications seem to point to the fact that this was a virus that had been manipulated. I had Brett Weinstein on my podcast. He's a biologist, and he in terms that I will not be able to recreate, explained all the different factors that when they examined the virus would not be very likely to have happened in nature and certainly not as quickly as they had. That the, all these different aspects of the virus point to the fact that it had been something that had been manipulated, the fact that there was a level four lab in Wuhan. This is not, you know, people love to use the term conspiracy theory, but this, this level four lab where they studied coronaviruses that come from bats is there. It's in Wuhan. Why are and they that studying? Same lab why had, are they and that same lab had been two years ago, had been in trouble for violating safety protocols. Oh. Look, China's, it's, it's not America. It's not, it's not the same. And they, they do things differently over there. They're completely intertwined with their government. They can get away with things that we can't get away with here. And they, you know, they don't have as strict a protocol when it comes to uh, handling diseases. Well, you know, the, the word on the street is often that it's uh, wealthy people wanting to have their endangered species fix. That's what you hear. What do you mean? That the wet market bat is like a delicacy, and that's how it got spread. I've I have not heard that. I don't know if that's true. Um, I don't know where I, would I imagine heard it. it would be more like people are starving and they need to eat whatever they can eat and they eat bats. But See, that's I not always what, pictured that's it laid what, out like lobsters at the farmer's market. That's what I was picturing. That would probably be safer. Um, it's not what happened. I don't believe that's what happened. And, and Brett Weinstein's very careful in not saying that this is definitely what happened, but he, he put points to all the factors that lead to this very likely conclusion that this is something that accidentally got out of a lab. It's the reason why it's so contagious, that it spreads so easily, that it takes on so many different forms and has so many different reactions and so many different people. It's almost like we're dealing with a bunch of different diseases. Anytime you mate humanity with an animal, there's a serious problem. I'm not talking sexually. Although I've seen a couple goats in my life that Kind of had a twinkle. You 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 had a smile while you're doing that because you knew you shouldn't have did it, and you did it anyway. I couldn't help it. I mean, you knew I'm it wasn't just saying, even going to work out well. But you but just... you, have, you know, it didn't work out well at all. <laughs> no, but you're enjoying that. But the other thing is, I want it for the kids out there listening. Don't fuck animals. No, don't fuck. Animals. Is that okay to put that out there? But what if the animal really wants you to fuck it? That's what I was saying. A right. goat with a gleam in his eye. This is where mm. I double down on not working. Yeah. <laughs> um, what like, about a small animal? No, that's mean. Fuck something that can kill you. If you're gonna have the balls, fuck like a an bear. elephant, like a, a bear. bear. Yeah, fuck. fuck a large predator. Yeah, don't don't fuck something that you're you're the bully. Hold that rabbit down and fuck him. Don't so do it's that. the revenant. I mean, yes. What he did was get inside a bear, literally. Not sort of. Yeah, eventually. Right. It took a while. Right. Yeah. I think this. This is, is how be... I try. This is how I deal with how horrible this is. This, I go to a place that's fucking asinine. And that's what my dad would do. Just stupid. Just stupid because the, uh, I know that China is completely fucked up with this. And they, they're com apparently out of control. And they don't know how to stop what's happening is what I'm hearing also. Well, it's doing better than we're doing. 
China's uh, they've got it way more under control than we do. How do we know that though? Cause I don't know. We don't. You know, they lie about everything. The the other thing about what's weird is like why why did it go so badly here? <laughs> like if yeah. you look at the UK, the UK is basically got restaurants are open again. Um, New Zealand has zero viruses now. They're they're back to normal. I mean, they're not letting anybody in, but they are they are literally back to a no virus situation. It's like the resistance of the United States is down because so many not the resistance, but the our, yeah. our immune system is down right. because there's so much hatred. There's so much fucking weird shit. I, I wonder what would have happened. I mean, it's really crazy that, you know, they you know that expression, the wings of a butterfly could become a hurricane. Yeah. But what would have happened if that George Floyd thing didn't happen? If that day did not go down that way? If it was just a normal day? If maybe George Floyd just hopped in the patrol car, you know, or maybe didn't give them that counterfeit $20 bill, never got arrested? What the fuck would we be looking at? It's kind of amazing. When you really no, it's a it's a you, change of history in one moment in in a in a, a, a an instant and in an incident between two people, between one cop and one man, and then the world sees it because one girl, seventeen year old girl, filmed it. She she puts it up. The whole world sees the horror of that guy leaning on that man's neck with his, his and knee. And other people standing by. And then the world explodes, or our country explodes. But imagine, where would we be? It'd be really interesting to see two different timelines. You know, see a timeline where that never happens? I think it was bound to happen anyway. We, we've been, I mean... But that it, was so egregious. It was so, it was yeah. so heinous. Oh, that, that's the point. That, that's, that's the point. That led yeah. to this explosion. Whereas if there was nothing like that, I mean, because uh, the, the guy who got shot by those vigilantes was just a couple of weeks before that. Mm -hmm. Remember in Georgia? I do. If this George Floyd thing, and that was like teeing the ball up, you know? And then this George Floyd thing happens and boom, the powder keg blows. I think uh, the enough is enough moment happened. And everybody's holed up in quarantine and everybody can't pay their rent and Nobody can do anything but watch all this bullshit of all this racism and all this all of our bureaucrats spewing a bunch of lies and garbage at everybody. My favorite part of it was the black and white video the actors made to try to fix it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, I will no longer stand by. Like what are you, what are you talking about? Well, imagine the imagine video also. No, that was the, that was the beginning of the coronavirus. This was after that. These these actors hadn't worked in months, and they desperately needed attention. So they all got together right. and made that stupid fucking video. Do you see what Jim Norton said about the Imagine video? No, what did he say? He said, uh, when I saw that video, I got all choked up because I tried to hang myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Well, you know, there's something great about people that have a heart for it that are well-known, whether it be acting or sports or whatever, music, that people are, that look up to those people. But it's saturated when it's just people doing it because they're getting publicity That's out all of they're it. doing it. That's why they're doing it. They're, they're doing it because they, this might be an opportunity to let other people know that they're awesome. That's, that's what they're doing. And it's, that's their fake way of pretending they have a heart. It just doesn't... Look, do you know, I mean... There has to be some heart in there somewhere. Of course. Of course. It's not like they're evil. But that's narcissism. There's a, there's a, there's a certain amount of narcissism there that's, 
foul. It smells bad. It's like when, you know, you open up some leftovers, you're like, oh, I can't eat this. That's what it is. It's got a smell That's to 100% it. That's 100% right. Yeah, it's it's the smell of narcissism, the smell of ego, the smell of the preposterous and, idea that you're going to sing your way out of people dying. And that's what we're living right now. That's yeah. what we're listening to right now. But when I see Jared Kushner, and I'm sure he's a delightful guy. I bet he's not. Uh, no, I, I, I was being totally uh, facetious. Me too. I hope I, oh, great. I think he's awesome. Oh, I love him. Pinky swear. <laughs> BFF, but what what it is about him, he really looks like central casting to play the Nazi in a movie. He, does, he right? so looks like he's going to have that collar on and be so bastards. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, apparently he's running the whole show. I don't know. That's crazy. I don't believe. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what to believe anywhere. Well, I just want some. Tr where are we going to get truth? Where are we ever going to get it? Weren't they mad that he was the one saying that the coronavirus was going to be nothing and to, to not? Re re yes, he was one of the many, uh, like the bullfrogs in there, and Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. They all look like something out of Doctor Doolittle. You imagine you're the president. And you're like, what's going to happen here? Hey, let me go ask that guy who's married to my daughter. He seems pretty smart. <laughs> He's my, married to my daughter. My daughter. I my daughter, hired him. My daughter, girlfriend, wife, want to be. Imagine that too. Imagine that he hires his family. Well, that's a that's a monarch. I but, mean, that's yeah. the, that's a dictatorship and a monarch. But it's yeah. just those the only people probably. But that's because he, he can wants trust. love, and I think they do love him. They must love him, and I've known people that know him. I'm sure you do too. That uh, have said I worked with him. He was horrible, and I've also talked to people that are I hung out with him. He was great. Yeah, I've t I've talked to people that know him that really like him. Yeah, I've heard but, that too. And then it's a, a performance. That yeah. moment it happens, it's a performance. It's well, Ross told me that. Ross told me that he had a good time with them when they were roasting him, and he and he Ross told me that he was telling him like, listen, when they're making fun of you, you got to laugh. Like if you I think laugh, Ross just likes that he liked him. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're probably right. All right, buddy. Uh, maybe you're right, buddy. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. It's a real good point. It's just a, it's just a sad time, and we got to we have to punch through it. That's well, why the, I the love. The problem also is the nature of this business is that the way politicians are taken apart their past is taken apart things are taken out of context they make these attack pieces they look into their finances they look into their past relationships they try to find every fucking little piece of something that might indicate there's a character flaw nobody wants to go through that so no person who's really like a person that you'd want to be president wants to be president there's unless, like a few of them Bernie when, Sanders Tulsi Gabbard you know, there's a few that I, I looked at and I said I could see, like Tulsi Gabbard She's young. I could see her running this country. I really could. And I think she would be, do an amazing job at it. I think she's a genuinely good person right. and a real leader. And I think, you know, Bernie has some interesting ideas. And I, I, would, I would love to see what would happen if we went, like, with some of those ideas. Particularly, like, fixing inner cities, man. Doing something to fix these crime-ridden, drug-addled gang-infested communities that have been stuck like that for decades and decades and drug, no one's done drug anything. Drug-infested, parentless-infested. Yes. I mean, that's, the, that's one thing that I, that will, 
hopefully goodness will come from is that they will send people to help with mental illness and drug rehabilitation and guidance. And if that can happen, how does that happen? How do you send people into the depths of Chicago where a lot of the pandemic of that kind of lack lack of love and pain? It has to be done locally and it has to be done in each individual place by someone who understands the community. It has to be done locally in each individual city. Each individual city has unique problems. I don't think you could use Baltimore's solution on Detroit. I think you have to have your own solution You're right. for each individual place based on people that actually understand how they got how it got to where it is and what could be done. And mayors and their regime need to be heroes. They yes. need to be people. And the other thing is you were saying, you know, what every you get looked into every single scrap of your life comes up. You did something wrong, you dated someone wrong, you paid someone, you did something, you did drugs sometime. Uh, I think that should be right there when you come out of the gate, when you're up for you give get give just give the schematic on the person. Just in, I, I want to run for uh, president. Here's all the shit I did. <laughs> Here's my fucking tax evasion. Yeah. Here's I didn't know she was 19. Um, you know I didn't yeah. know that her mom was my girlfriend. <laughs> you know shit like that. Yeah. I never put my finger in that dog. That picture is is uh, photoshopped. Yeah, you couldn't help yourself. I don't know. I mean, that's how diseases start. <laughs> that's not how they start. But you put finger your finger in a dog? dog's butt. No, you just get sick. You don't get a disease. Maybe you don't get sick. E. I think half the people out there could give a fuck. Mm. You know, people out in the mountains looking at their sister. Oh, you know, in that way. <laughs> I had a, this is the kind of person I was when I was 21. So Jay Leno's at the store. One of my first nights in stand-up, uh, Letterman brings me up. That's how I, my old man stories. Wow. Uh, so this is my first night. Mitchie said, you got to quit. I was going to USC. What year are we talking here? Uh, 78. Wow. Mitzi said, uh, I was going to go to USC film school. I got into their grad program because I'd won a student Oscar for a documentary I made about my nephew having his face reconstructed. I was going to go serious filmmaking. Uh, and that's what I wanted. And I was also a stand-up since I was 17. So Mitzi said... Now, don't go there. Work here. You work here. You're good. I'll put you in. You work here. And you won't get paid, but work here. I went, okay. Because that night when I moved to L.A. and and I quit grad school, like the the day I quit USC grad school, I went there for three days. Um, I, I went up at the store. Letterman brought me up. The lineup was Leno, Michael Keaton, uh, Billy Crystal, um, uh, Jeff Altman, Argus, uh, Pryor went up later in the evening. This is on one fucking night. That's insane. And you're part of the reason that place came back. You and a bunch of the people that came in, you brought it back. I mean, it was not long ago. That place was gone. Yeah, it wasn't looking good. No. It wasn't looking good. No, just... you you did that. That's, that's the empowerment. That's takes a strong thing to go wait this place is history and i like these rooms i need to do comedy what what was i, I want to know what was your decision making process and how did you find because you were already on your way to wherever you wanted to make your playground well i i was gone for seven years you know i was gone from 2007 to 2014 and uh, that was the that Carlos Mencia incident that I had at the store. Yep. I got banned. 
and not even by Mitzi. I got banned by the former management. And there's just some weird shit going on behind the scenes. And they had what negotiated were you, what, something. Where were you working Mincia. out before then? I was at the store. Oh, there's a store from 94 to 2007. I moved to LA in 94. And uh, the first thing I did is go to the store. Uh, that was Mecca. When I was in Boston and I was uh, an open micer, I had heard about the store. I was yeah. in, in 1988, I started. And that was when Sam Kinison was huge. And. You know, I start. I literally started comedy. That's dreaming. right when I left. That's so when I left. missed you. I missed you. Ninety four. Right. Well, I always wanted to ask you what it was like because when you did Full House, you basically had to stop doing stand up because you were on this squeaky I still clean. Did it? You still did it? Yeah, that and it's, I dangerous. started to morph, and I started to uh, get really fucked up on stage, um, and I was. It was fucked a, up. How? Uh, fucked up on. Uh, I would go, okay, that's what I'm doing during the day. And here's, I know when you did news radio, they wanted you not to do stand up as much. Is that kind of. No, not really. No. The, the, the only thing that ever happened on news radio is one of the producers said, why are you still doing the comedy? You're an actor now. Like it was as if it was a great thing. And I was horrified. I was like, what? Yeah. Ugh. Like, what, what, I'm going to stop doing stand-up for this? You, oh, That's because they, they don't understand. Know. They think a lot of people use, used and use stand-up to get a show, to get a writing gig, to get yes. something. And I'm like, I can't stop being one. I am one. Yeah. It's part of my hard drive. Well, it was the most fun, too. Like, they were asking me to do this thing that I was basically, like, I'd never taken any acting classes. I'd, I'd just gotten a development deal from MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. Right. And they said, do you want to be on a sitcom? I'm like, oh, okay. And so they made me, like, get an acting coach, and I took a few classes, but it was really annoying. And then next thing you know, I'm out here in L.A. on a sitcom. And so when they said, like, why are you doing stand-up? You're an actor now. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. You don't, you've never killed. I'm like, you're saying this because you never killed. <laughs> they also didn't believe in hyphenates at that point. You can't do three <laughs> things. You can't do four things. I'm sorry. You can only do one thing. Well, that was also well, that when I started do working for the UFC. And when I started working for the UFC, they were acting like I was doing porn. <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to Alabama to do uh, post-fight interviews for a cage fighting event. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's because you you're, you're that. a fucking original. They don't know what that is. Well, it was just no one had done it before. Right. There was no well, comedian slash cage fighting commentators. <laughs> Find me another one ever. <laughs> but it was just one of those things where like, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do this because I want to do this. And they, they, they were like, you really shouldn't do this. Like, this is probably bad for your career. I'm like, whatever. I don't, I don't even know what that means. I'm just going to do what I like to do. Tell me again where, where you had left off about the, the, the Mencia thing with the Carlin. So he had made some sort of sneaky backdoor deal with the store to have them ban me, and he would put his name on the marquee, which he never do, did, would do before. Like He would do spots there. He would just show up and bump people. That was his thing. He liked to just show up. And he didn't, didn't let them put his name on the marquee and sell tickets with his name because he would do big venues around town. This was around you know the Mind of Mencia days. He was a big star. You know, he was selling out large theaters. He was doing really well. And uh, I wasn't doing as well with stand-up. I was on Fear Factor, and I was doing pretty good with comedy, but I was mostly doing clubs. Uh, he was more advanced career-wise, if I'm being honest. And so when they said that to me that I was banned, and I knew it was wrong. I'm like, I know. I go, you guys are, you're, you sell art. You sell art. This is what you sell. Like you, this you have an art store. It's just the it's a, a spoken art, mm -hmm. and you are 
you're basically taking the side of someone who's stealing a vampire. You give a vampire of all the other performers, not just a vampire, but someone who, would, who he, if you were going on stage, he would go on before you and do your closing bit and then bring you up. There was a lot of dark shit going on. People were scared. They had lights they would flick in the back of the room when he was there to let you know if you were on stage. Guys would just stop doing their act. I wasn't there knew for he was any there. of that. It was not good. It was not good. It was, it was accentuated by his celebrity. When he became famous, it got way worse. But it had always existed. He was always a thief. And so I, I said, okay, um, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm letting you know. Like, you think this is going to be like a two-week deal or something like this? You can go fuck yourself. I'm not coming back. So just make, make this decision. Understand, this is, not, this is not a temporary thing where you're going to ban me for a little while. And I'm going back and forth with the manager. Well, Mitzi, I go, don't, 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 don't tell me Mitzi said. Because I was on the phone with Mitzi an hour ago before this. And I told Mitzi what was going on. I told Mitzi that we are going to make this video about him stealing material. Because it was a horrible s situation there. And I told her, I'm like, I go, you know, this is just what it is. She goes, all right, just keep away from them. She goes, when you want to go up? And I go, when do you want to put me up? She goes, all right, how about 1030? I go, perfect. I love you. She goes, I love you too. It's the last time I talked to her. Last time I talked to her. And then they call me an hour later and say I'm banned. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just got off the phone with Mitzi. I go, who's running the fucking store? You're running the store? You're, you, you're running the store. I work for you? Get the fuck out of here. And so I got furious, and I just started working the improv, and I did the ice house, and I just said, okay, this is what I do now. I don't work at the store anymore. And the store, I put the store's phone number on my, my blog and told everybody the whole story, and I'm like, feel free to call them and let them know how you feel. And it was a ghost town there for years. It, it became so a wreck. So what, yeah, it did. I crashed that place. Years, yeah. years. Yeah. So what brought you back? Ari Shafir was doing his comedy special. He was filming. And Ad and Adam Egit, you know, Adam I'd known Adam. I like from, Adam. I love Adam. And he was uh he's he'd been on the podcast before too. Um I've seen him. Adam was uh at the Tempe improv years before that and I became friends with him when I worked there. And then he came over and started being the talent coordinator at the store and then he came to visit me at the improv. He said, We'd love to have you at the store. He's like Tommy doesn't work there anymore. He's gone. It was the manager that I had the issue with. Right. And uh, Mincy had long been just, he had long been outcast from the comedy community. Like that video and the subsequent, all these other comedians coming out and telling stories about him, everything fell apart. And this is what I told them was going to happen. I was like, this is not, this is not going to go away. This is real. This is not like, people make mistakes. They, they accidentally do someone's bit because they forget it was someone's bit. You or know, you come up with you thinking. do come up with the same thing. People, yeah. There's a lot, but there there's good people, and then there's people that are victimizing people. And he was one of those that was victimizing people, and the worst I've ever seen. And so this had happened, and I knew when Adam came to visit me at the Improv, I knew, um, well, I knew Adam was a good guy, and I'd thought about it, but I was like, I can't. I'm not. I can't. I can't go back there. And then Ari was doing his special. And Ari was filming his special in the OR, and Ari was one of my best friends, and I had been friends with Ari from the time that he was a doorman. And I was like, he had gone through this journey of being a doorman to, I, I started taking him on the road with me, so I'd take him on the road and we would do all these gigs together, and now here he is, he's got his own television show, and he's doing a fucking Comedy Central special, and he's filming it at the store. I'm like, I gotta be there. So I came there on Tuesday night. He was filming on Wednesday. I came out on Tuesday night, and I was there for roast battle. 
and Jeff Ross introduced me to the crowd, and I got to see Roast Battle, and it was wild. Roast Battle was wild. It was so beautiful. It was like, it was creative and it was fun and it was packed. I was, and it was there this... one night being a judge. Jeff brought me in and said, Bob, <sighs> so you got to cool. come down. You don't know. You it don't know. It's so cool. Yeah, it still it's, is. Wonder it's wonderful. If it comes back, it still is so cool. But It'll come back. And then um, the we'll next night I came back and I, I saw Ari. I, f I watched Ari film a special and then I said, okay, I'm going to start doing shows. And so I think uh, maybe like a couple days later, I did my first show back there, and that was it. Then you were there, and you were playing almost every night of the week, right? I was there a lot, yeah. Until the lockdown, I was there many days a week. I'm going to come back and do it right and sign up, put my name on the thing. I do drop-ins, but they're five minutes. I don't no, do No, you don't want to drop in. I don't, do I don't. I don't. I want to do, do sets. sets. And do when sets. I was doing the drop-in, it was just, it would be just to, I wasn't sure, you know? I wasn't sure that I wanted to go up and, and be part of a lineup? Is it competitive? Do people take your stuff? Do people... No, there's none of that there now. There's none of that. That's, Zero. That was my, you know, I have PTSD from eight years. Right. And I had a love affair with Mitzi. I was like a nephew to her. So I was kind of like family. Even at her funeral, I was like family, um, even though I hadn't been around. But there was one time in Vegas where uh, <laughs> I had a weird experience and I was trying to keep somebody sober and I had to stay up all night to keep them sober so that she didn't find out. And as a result, I hadn't slept and I had a week set in Vegas at the Dunes. And then after the set, she came backstage and said, you've lost it. You're not funny anymore. Oh, no. And that was like, you don't say that to a sensitive Jew comic neurotic <laughs> motherfucker. She didn't give a fuck though, dude. She had zero filter. No, and and you know what happened? It hurt me and it's just like you teaching martial arts to the kids. It's like, well, I better get fucking funny. Yeah. I better get funny again. And you I can't just have kept... an excuse. No, there ain't no excuses. Yeah. You could just and I just worked harder and harder and now. I mean, I want to do, I might do some drive-ins. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I'm enjoying the podcast thing because I get to, and I call people and talk to them, and that's an interplay with people. Yeah, you and, get to fuck around a little. And I have some guests that you've had that I love, people that are friends. And But the point is, I'm born this. I'm born to do this. Yes. You're born to do this. And well, she, was, we just she taught out. me something, and she loved me, and I loved her. But she got really sick, so I, I you know, it was really uh, tragic. Some people hated her, and some people loved her all the way to the end. I loved her. I know. She helped me. Yeah, she if helped it wasn't, me. Helped me too, man. If it wasn't for her, who, when I became a paid regular, that was like the most important day of my life at that moment. Like I was like, holy shit, I'm a real comedian. I'm a paid regular. See, at the I didn't store. know what that meant. I, I showed up one night, and then they put on the website, Bob Saget, paid regular. And I, I wrote to the I emailed, uh, or t I don't know, I texted somebody, whoever did the thing. I went, you don't have to call me a paid regular. I mean, you know, you can just say I showed up, can't you? And he goes, no, no, you don't understand. It's an honor. I'm like, but I don't take the pay. I never take the pay. I'm a paid regular. I don't, but I didn't realize it is. A rite of passage like a badge of honor. It is. It was something it's your special. stripes. It was something important. When that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Because, like I said, when I started out in 88, uh, the comedy store was Mecca. That was the place. Like, I, I wanted to be there. That was where Richard Pryor performed. That was where Kinison performed. That was where Hicks performed. 
I wanted to go there. And when I was there, I was actually there. It was a dark time, man. I was there in 94. It was a shithole. Oh, it was like fucking... I, I went Ugh. in when it was over. I, I went in. Ugh. It was empty. I mean, you know, 20 people. It was socially distanced. Well, it was a, there was a bad... <laughs> it was perfect for now. A bad run for about six years where it wasn't very good from 94 to around 2000. And somewhere around 2000, it started picking up again. Did Paulie, Paulie really stepped in and Peter. Peter did a lot, right? Well, it was just better talent started coming around. Right. That's all it was. It's like there was a lot of guys who would... I think there was a wake. This is my own personal theory, and I'm only basing it on the timeline of Kinnison's death. Kinnison left the comedy store somewhere around like 90, and then he died somewhere around like 92, somewhere around there, 93. And then the... the you know, so many guys had gone off and done sitcoms and like Jim Carrey had gone off and done movies and in living color. And there wasn't there wasn't that many people there. And then there was also a lot of really bad talent. There was a lot of guys That's who were Bodaks. That, that is a fact. Old there hacks. were people that could have been accountants and instead chose comedy as a career. And right. they learned how to walk the stage. Yes. And they learned how to hold a mic and they learned how to talk to the audience. Right. They were like a plumber. They, they learned a trade. It's not, and they weren't even good at it. They're the plumber right. you don't want. The plumber that's going to blow your toilet up. Yeah, the plumber yeah. puts the wrong gasket and it runs. So I saw a lot of those guys, and I was really disappointing. Like I was like, one of my first nights there, I remember there was like 15, 20 people in the audience. The, the acts were terrible. I was like, this is so weird. This is the comedy store. That's this why is I awful. stayed away. Because it made me sad. But then every now and then, like, Martin Lawrence would show up. Every now and then, Damon Wayans would show up. Every now and then, Dom Herrera would show up. Every now and then, someone would show up and, and I crush. showed up. I wasn't there when you were there. That sucks. I didn't see you there for many, many years. Many years. But that's why I was asking about, like, the Full House days. Was it hard? Oh, uh, that's interesting because it'll bring... Because you, you, you had a dirty act, but it you were on the... It wasn't as blue until... After and Full House and the video show were simultaneous and they were family, you know, seven o'clock at night on a Sunday. I'm mm -hmm. hosting videos. I can't say here's another fucking video. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> right. And I didn't say fuck that much. In fact, a few years ago, Dice called me. He goes, Saget, I got to tell you something. We got to see each other. But also, you know what, man, you stole my, my shit after you uh, after Full House ended. You st stole my. I said, what did I steal? Well, you didn't used to say fuck as much. <laughs> So I, I stole fuck. Was he joking? Kind of, but not really. But then he wanted to tour with me, so it was kind of like... See, Dice is always <laughs> half-pranking you. I love he's, him. He's always half-fucking with you. I started going on the road because of Dice. I was just doing the store, and this is when I was on news radio. And one day, he, uh, we're in the background, and he goes, Hey, you should go on the road. And I'm like, yeah? And he goes, yeah, you're funny. He goes, you don't want to be fucking beholden these cocksuckers. He goes, these <laughs> motherfuckers and these, their movies and their shows. He goes, he goes, you go on the road, you make a good living. And I was thinking about it. I was like, why don't I go on the road? So I just started booking gigs. I literally just listened to him. Because first of all, you know, I'm 27 years old. I can't believe Dice is talking to me. Right. And I'm like, I'm talking to Dice. Like, and then he tells me to go on the road. I was like, he's right. Why don't I go on the road? So I started doing gigs here and there, you know? And then um, when I really started going on the road, like really, was when I left the store. That 2007 time when I left the store, that's when I started touring. That's when I really started touring. Because I was kind of angry, too. I was like, you know, I put all that time into that place, and, and I, was, I thought what we were doing, like 
that Mencia thing, I thought that was we're doing the right thing. I thought that was a real problem. And so when that was the reaction, I was like, okay, I'm going to show you motherfuckers. I had this, this attitude, like, I'm going to show you. And then I did my best work after There's that. There's nothing wrong with that, yeah. That was my best work was after that because I was, you know, my best, my first real big special was 2009, which is two years after that. And then, um, you know, and I don't have any hate for that dude. And I hope he gets better. Like, I hope he's doing great. I really do. I think, I he, I think he has learned his lesson. From I hope he has. I hope people forgive him, too. I don't, I think that's a problem. You know, I think... Many people have had it, you know. Some very famous people have had it. No, I don't mean that. Yeah, many people have had that, like Robin, right? You know, yeah. a lot of people had that. That and his stealing people's and his material. loss is so, and his talent is so gigantic that he was just a vacuum cleaner of of stuff. He, Robin. he didn't, yeah, yeah. And I loved him beyond. And yeah, he he's, was. He's oh, he was, was a so thing, right? yeah. He's a, he's he's from every hundred years a Robin Williams yeah. comes. Here. This is what. It's, I mean, uh, you you brought up what was going on doing those family shows and then doing yeah, stand up. Yeah, yeah. Richard Jenny comes into play here. This is kind of an interesting thing that you brought him up because he hits me in the solar plexus. I did a, a special while the two shows were in the top ten: Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos. Those long names to say. They sound like I'm saying porn when I say the names of the shows. <laughs> that's really? like dirty to me. Full House. Oh, that's so filthy, Bob. Um, but I love doing family entertainment. That's my uh, many different sides. I love doing stuff the whole family can watch together. I don't look at that and go, oh, fuck that. That's bullshit. You know, that's uh, that's not the cynical guy that can come out and be blue for the sake of blue. I, I, I wasn't blue for the sake of blue. I just did what I did, you know, just like you did what you did, you know, your UFC stuff. It's like I, I, I wasn't doing anything athletic, but, <laughs> but to... I did an HBO special, and it it did well, but in the ratings or whatever. But it was not good, and I I made it so you can't see it. Uh, and Richard Jenny loved it, and he would say to me, "I loved that special." And I was, I was saying fucking it, but it was like an hour long, and it took a half an hour. It was about me being in a dream, trying to missing my gig, so I was trying to make a film because I wanted to be a filmmaker. And then the next half hour was basically a half hour stand up. And I just didn't do any of it right, you know? And, but there were a couple really funny moments and a couple of good bits. Um, and Richard told me he thought it was one of the funniest specials and most inventive that he'd ever seen. And I, I was always thrown by that. And, and, and it, I started to get more like, well, what do I want to do in stand up? And I was like, I, I just want to make people laugh. I just want to. And then when the shows ended, I started directing some stuff. And then I did a special called That Ain't Right, and that was the HBO special that upset a lot of people and also put me in Rolling Stone and, and Newsweek and all now these that things. That was because it was dirty. It, it upset people. I said people. fuck a lot because I was yeah. at, I was at uh, NY. But subject matter as well, no? Yeah, a little bit. I used fuck as a verb a few times. I don't, I don't you know, <laughs> you know, if it's expressive. Right, but it was your, hu I mean... It's it what I found people funny. because that's what you had always been doing, but they didn't expect that out of you because they wanted Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos. But who would go to see that? What am I going to do? Hug people and clean? You know? It's well, like, <laughs> they wanted that sort of Howie Mandel thing. Like how but Howie's blue. That. He is blue sometimes, but not anymore. No, you he's go to still. See, but he does stand up. Mm, 
last saw him at the Laugh Factory, he was actually talking about the dangers of doing a bit that could get him fired from the show. Oh. He actually talked about that on stage, that if he says anything wrong, I mean, he's on the squeakiest of squeaky family entertainment. You know, he went from deal or no deal to this other thing that he's doing now. What is he, America's Got Talent? Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's... I've been talking to him a lot. Um, he's a great guy. He's a great guy, and he's been, had a lot of mental health issues that he talked about in the book, and his OCD is just the, the outskirts of it. How bad is it now with the fucking coronavirus? The uh, guy's he's, always been he's a, holding on. a germaphobe yeah. to have the whole world Rightfully become... so, by the way. Somebody wrote that down, the whole world is Howie Mandel now. <laughs> yeah, I said something like he's a prophet. I, I, <laughs> I forget who it was. I forget who wrote. Maybe it was Gaffigan. Someone, someone said that like that. Someone had a quote I love, like that. I love Jim. Oh, he's great. But anyway, uh, so, you know, I don't know why people think that you're like a character you play in something. Well, because That's you played that character. For a long time. For so long. And this was pre-social media. This was pre-podcast. They just associated. Look, Bill Cosby, okay? For the longest time, people thought Bill Cosby but was I got it out this on sweet stage. guy. Bill always was offended that I talked blue on stage because he said, you don't need it. And when I would see him, I would he almost hear Lucky saying motherfucker in between. What, what did Bill Cosby think about Kinnison? I want to know that. I would have loved to have seen that. I'm sure he just, he just disapproved anything uh, blue. But the truth is, look what he acted out in his real life. But that's probably I would just do why. it. That is why. Yeah, that's, that's the why. boys club that he was in. My boys club, or I hate to say that because it's, it's so misogynistic, but it was a guy that looks like... I know what I look like. I look like your dentist, your accountant, or somebody, maybe your gynecologist if it's a good week, but not yours. But but um, I'll continue, I swear. I just had a moment of doing like 10 of those that go nowhere. But but the truth of it is, for me to say that is the joke. For me to, and that gets nowhere also. So I have to have content. And the more specials I did, and the more I've done stand-up, like I was about to shoot a new one this year, I've got like an hour and a half of stuff. Of course, everybody's going to have 12 minutes of COVID, but I don't know what it's going to be. But it was really, I was about to talk about racial injustice, ready to go, because I've got all this stuff when I was a kid and segregation, and I was living it and didn't understand it when I was six, seven years old in Virginia. So it was like, I started to have, I have more, much more, in, it's much more intent in what I want to do right now. Um, and make people laugh. I gotta throw a dick joke in just to make myself happy. Well, stand-up comedy is supposed to be here's the world through my eyes. Whenever some other comic comes along and tells you not to do your version of reality, they can go eat shit. And usually there's something wrong with them. And that's obviously the case with Bill Cosby. There's something wrong with him. A hundred percent. His need to have everyone deliver this G-rated comedy was, you know, he was, he had some dark dark shit going on in the back of his head. And I fucking looked up to him so much. When I was young, I'd watch him on I Spy with Robert Culp. And it was this, it, you probably didn't watch it back because I'm older. He was so great. And then, you know, he, he got his doctorate after just two years. They gave him a, a free one at Temple. I went to Temple University also, but I graduated. And I, I didn't, uh, you know, tranquilize people and ejaculate. Congratulations. On Thank you for the non-ejaculation clause. But he, um, you know, you can't preach and then be full of shit. It's well, like, that's what he got away with for his whole life, though, I think. That's how he, like, covered his tracks. Like, nobody would believe it. 
Who raped you? Bill Cosby? Oh, go on. There's no way. That's what they would think. I know. I guarantee you that was part of what was the hustle was. It's like a priest. Like, if, if no one knew that priests raped kids, and then you came home and said, Mom, the priest raped me, your mom would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? the Boy about? Scouts. Look, I mean, there's a fucking ad right now. Yeah. I can't believe there's an ad. I'm glad there's an ad. What do you mean there's an ad? It's oh. a commercial. If, you, if you've been sexually molested yeah. by a Scoutmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so all this shit, that's... <sighs> That's the cleaning that seems to be happening that's positive, that people are getting called on stuff that's been going on for thousands of years and in this country for hundreds of years and terrible, terrible, terrible shit. So that I, that's a good calling out. That's a good – I mean – Well, this calling out is one way to look at it, but what's really happening is the, the lines between reality, like truth – information and people like how how accessible is truth it's their way it's there's way less distance to travel to find out reality than there used to be and we we're remapping our version of the world because of that and you know this is what we're seeing with everything with police brutality it's what we're seeing with taxes it's what we're seeing with with government and the environment and you know, uh, climate change and uh, fill in the blank. Every single every, problem the in the world. The pandemic is yes. just a giant fucking representation of all of it. Well, it's a wake-up call to all of us that there has been way less funding and planning and strategy to deal with pandemic viruses than should have ever been put in place. Bill Gates warned us about this in 2015. I don't know, a yep. lot of people think Bill Gates is the devil now for some reason. Have you been paying attention to that? Yeah. They think Bill Gates is like trying to depopulate the world or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether to get off Facebook, TikTok. I don't know. Get off all of them. There's a guy in uh, when they were trying to keep uh, Huntington Beach or Long Beach open. There were, no, it wasn't Long Beach. Was it Huntington Beach? It was Huntington Beach. It's a Republican area, right? So uh, they had all these people in the street. We're not going to wear a mask. We're not going to stay inside. It was the early days of the pandemic. Right. And this guy is going, you know, do not wear a mask. Do not give in. Bill Gates is the devil. <laughs> so he's got a fucking bullhorn. He was yelling. This is like pre-George Floyd, all that shit. And I remember that, to me, <laughs> topped off the madness of that particular moment. Like, Bill Gates is the devil. The guy who made Microsoft? The guy who wears sweaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates is the devil. Like, but that's so a funny many sound people, bite. <laughs> it was crazy to listen to. But well, so many people what, do believe that. We're all over the fucking place. People are all over. And it's like... One side's over here so liberal that I'm not allowed to say anything. Right. I'm talking about just how, it, not as a narcissist, but as a human yes. artist, how it affects me, how it affects you. And then everybody's over here so far right. It's fundamentalists on both sides. Can't we just cut off the little hands on each side and just have just a, or can't well, everybody have a, if, if there has to be a dream discourse. This, it's listen, not going to happen. This is, this is I, how change happens. You have to correct. have polars. You have to have polar opposites. This yes. Is, this is just a natural. It's like fundamentalism. It, and it is. It's yeah. the same thing you see on the left as you see on the right. Their, their ideology varies. But what their goal is is the same. Their goal is compliance. They want you to listen. They want to have power and control. And then there's people that are fairly reasonable that can see other people's perspectives that lean towards the middle. Those are the healthy people. But these people that 
want you to use 78 different gender pronouns and they only want to give money I to... I can't keep up. I yeah. make so many mistakes. It's, you it's not mistakes, man. It's well, I mistakes. did a thing in Austin, which we both love, and I did a thing for uh, the Alley Coalition. Um, and it's it's for the LG... I always fuck it up. It's LGBTQ. Q, but Q is questioning or queer. It changes. What? Yeah. It's questioning now? Or, or queer. At, at that moment, And then it was. A now. You know A's in there, too? What is that? Asexual. They I'm got thrown in the mix. I'm fine with that. So I'm not throwing. I'm well, not. I did a joke at that. They're, they're I, gang. I did a call. I did it for them because they're a wonderful organization that helps a lot of people, and it was it was. I loved it, and I was with Jay Farrow, uh, who I loved being with, and a bunch of people, a bunch of comedians were on the thing, and I was the, I guess, the headliner of the thing that they brought in. And this gorgeous structure. I don't know if you've seen it. It looks like the inside of a Mac store, but it's outdoors in Austin. It's like a monolithic looking cool thing. And uh, so I made a joke, something about LGB. I, I did all the letters, and then I said, that's my record locator on my flight. And that got an awful quiet response, and I didn't understand it because I, I was, I'm, I'm with them, but I'm not making fun of them. I'm, I'm part of them. I, Maybe the joke just wasn't that good. I think so from your response. <laughs> it's possible too. You're carrying it around in your head. As but then I did like... another. I did a song about transitioning that I'd written for the event. Transitioning what to um, like uh, female? From, from a male to a female, and me having a relationship because I do comedy music in a, in a purest way because I love writing songs and singing, and I've always done that in my stand up. I started as a musical act that we would all ridicule, um, and um, and I had to pull before I got to the end of it because it was just uh, it got quieter and I heard crickets and I felt so bad because I was doing it as saying hold on hold on stop stop does that do well in clubs that bit yeah it was killing I did it on a okay. special but but you're doing it at an LBGTQA positive event that's because I'm a fucking moron yeah and well, I care about people more I, I care about all human beings I don't I don't have a racist bone of my I don't understand anything I'm an idiot racist. I'm a fucking what I heard your dick's racist my dick is so <laughs> don't <laughs> thank you <laughs> saved thank you you saved me you I know understand my, my you, dick you, spits but, at racism but you know that that's not a comedy look I don't do any sort of benefit and the reason why I just donate money I don't do benefits because it's not but a my good place for comedy. But my sister died of scleroderma, and I do. But don't have money. No, but would you do a tape for my my viral event in October? I wouldn't do three minutes on tape. I wouldn't do. Acrobatics. She died, Joe. She I wouldn't died. Listen to me. I wouldn't do acrobatics in a, a benefit to help people with uh, spina bifida. No, no, or, but people spina bifida is hilarious. By the way, I don't know if you've had it. No, I or got people over that are crippled. Okay, I'm right. not. You know what I'm saying? Like you're doing comedy. In an event where people are talking about a serious issue that maybe they've been maligned and misgendered and just fucking disenfranchised their whole life. And then you're on stage telling, you know, a questionable joke that wasn't your best joke and then a song about transitioning and you're wondering why they're not laughing. It's not funny to them because it's, it's not a comedy show. Why you're doing why, comedy at a thing. Why weren't you in my life sooner? I don't know. You, will you manage me? No. So here's I'll, I'll here's, be here for advice though if you want. Here's the thing: the, the the thing I do. I'm part of the Scleroderma Research Foundation because my sister died of this disease. What is this disease? It's a hardening of the skin 
Uh, sclero uh, means uh, hardening, and derma means skin. And a lot of people have it, uh, different people. A lot of people. A lot of people. And proportionately uh, hits people of African descent, not unlike coronavirus. It hits the lungs. Um, Queen Latifah's mother passed away from it. I know other people who've um, had it. Um, it's it's uh, And I lost my sister and my dear friend. And the first person to ever do the benefit, benefit was Robin Williams. And he did it mm. seven times afterward. And we've raised $53 million. And we're curing people. That's amazing. People are what do they getting do, into remission. What do they do for the cure? Like, what? How do they get? There's them? new therapies. Uh, my sister was mistreated and guinea pigged. They gave her cortisone and prednisone, which drives you fucking nuts. And um, they just tested stuff. And the the rheumatologist that did it to her is no longer alive. And and. I mean, how do you sue somebody that didn't know what he was doing? But now there's centers at Johns Hopkins and at uh, UCSF and Stanford, and they're really new drugs, like really great ones. So mm. it's always been a comedy benefit, and there are people, there are patients there. And I've always had everybody's done it. Chappelle did it for me in L.A. at the Beverly Wilshire, and I had it was it was wonderful. I, mean, I think it was um, John Mayer got up on stage, and um, I think it was Ray Romano and. Um, I'm wondering if it was Gaffigan. I've had almost every comedian do it, but Chappelle made me put on the invite, uh, and Dave Chappelle might come. (laughs) Dave Chappelle says he might come, and he flew himself out, and he did the damn thing, and he couldn't do material because we didn't lock up phones, and he did a half hour of being the beautiful person that he is. That's awesome. And so all I was saying was Robin did it seven fucking times. So... Mm. Here's my question. So Richard Jenny, uh, Patrice, Brody, you know, all these people, Sam, uh, Chris Farley, wasn't a stand-up, but why do really, truly funny people have to die? Shouldn't there be some kind of universal law? Mitch Hedberg. Mitch, Throw him in that Mitch, mix. Mitch Bill, Bill Hicks. Hicks. Well, you know, people die, bro. It's part of life. I know, but they, but it's temporary. But the love, when yeah. you say Robin Williams to somebody, anybody, they get emotional. Yeah, because he he could have never done stand up and just acted in movies. When nine eleven happened, um, you know about nine eleven, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can't do that. Can't do that joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's just me being an ass. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for sitting through this with me. Uh, <laughs> I need. To, I haven't had my shrink in a while. Do you go to a shrink? No. You're smart as fuck. So anyway, I go to a sensory deprivation tank. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, you get alone with your thoughts for real. I've done it. Have you? Yeah. I got one here. You do? Yeah. And it's all salt, and you mm-hmm. get it in. You play music. No. To tones of no. any kind? No. Just your thoughts? Just my thoughts. I just do breathing exercises. I know that you you know the readings of Terrence McKenna because yeah, I, sure. I was a mushroom boy I'm back in the day. good friends with his brother. It's no shit? Yeah, his brother Dennis is amazing. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to see him. I, was, I had a 420 show in Vancouver. He lives in BC now. He's a uh, expat. He bailed out of this fucking wacky country and went to a, just as wacky one. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fuck. But I love Vancouver. I mean, he picked a good spot. I love Vancouver. Um, but but let me just finish the Robin thought. Please. Go yeah, because I apologize. Um, so 9-11 happens, and I'm home, and I'm alone. My kids, I was divorced. My kids were at their mom's. And um, all the channels are running the footage for 24 hours. 
And Fox Television runs Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm like, what a great fucking thing they did for me and for people. And I know a lot of people that I've talked to over the years that go, yeah, I watched Mrs. Doubtfire that night. They fucking, on their network, which was still kind of a new network in a way, they ran it. And it's a story about divorce and what he would do to get back to his kids. Yeah. And his acting in, in that is, you know, it's, it's another, a sweet movie. It's a sweet movie. That's a movie that I gave as an example when someone saying, because uh, someone was saying that trans people are never funny and a straight person in drag is never funny. I go, you can't say it's never funny. And I said, you don't think it's it's never funny when someone pretends to be a woman? And the guy says, it's never funny. I go, Mrs. Doubtfire. Tootsie. Well, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of them. Mrs. Like, Doubtfire is a very strong example. Movie. But it's not about, that's not about that. It's about right. having to but do the greatest still, disguise to be able to see his kids. Yes. But he's still pretending to be a woman, and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. 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 Well, he he was... All I was saying was if he had never done stand-up, if Robin had just been just been a great actor. Well, look what Eddie Murphy's doing now. I mean, Eddie Murphy was one of the best stand-ups ever. Yeah. Stops. Yeah. And now he just does films. I have a, I have a story for you about him that, that I think you'll dig. Uh, so I'm hosting the main room thinking I'll never get a career. Everybody's off. Everybody's gone. Arsenio's gone. Uh, Howie Why do you th- What do you mean you think you never get a career? I... I, I, I was on the road, not making a lot of money, but in the meantime, I would host uh, for years the Westwood store, which was no more, which was fun actually. Sam, but, so you're really young at this time then. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you, you in were my twenties. You weren't going to have a career yeah. already in your twenties. Yeah, I was depressed <laughs> all my twenties, my all of them. That's crazy. I was. I'd be on a plane and didn't care if it went down. That's how stupid I was. Really? I should have been gone to a doctor. That's what I should have done. Be that depressed. So I'm there and I'm hosting and um, Eddie Murphy comes in and this is not on the bill. He didn't call for a spot. So Eddie comes in and he's working out raw and I don't know that it's raw, but then he comes out and he's in, I can't remember if it's the, the blue leather or the red leather suit, but he's in one of them and he looks like a fucking God. I mean, he looks, I, I've never seen anyone more beautiful. <laughs> I, want, I look at him, I go, oh my God, look at it. His skin was like butter. I mean, he's, I wanted to kiss him. He's uh, still beautiful. He's, he's amazing. He's one of the most, he wanted to be the Beatles of comedy. He is. He, he, he is. So I'm the host on a Friday night, and it was, uh, Sam was going to go on later, and he comes out, and the place standing ovation, the walls shake, and he does about 50 minutes on a Friday night. Wow. And I'm watching it and it's good. And it's and I'm laughing and I'm I'm seeing it he's working. He's working it. Yeah. That's why he's there. And he's get and he's getting ready for something cuz he's dressed in his wardrobe for what yeah. will be the suit that's going to be the show, the movie. And then um, he finishes and it and it great applause, standing ovation, but what you would expect. I was there the next Friday. I was there all the time. I lived there, which is why I went away for a long time. Besides work happened. I was on Broadway and whatever the fuck happened. Just on the street, you know. I was 
just begging. But I, uh, but, but uh, a week later, a week, one week later, the following Friday, he comes out in the other color suit. I don't know if it was blue or red. I have a feeling it was blue that, that other Friday. One Friday later. And I asked, had he gone up at the Improv or Laugh Factory or anywhere? And they said no. He comes up and he does an hour and 10 standing ovation when it starts. I watched how great he is with my own eyes, ears, and heart. It was, I never saw anything like it. I've, the, the, when he was done, he had crushed it so strong in a way that was so fucking funny. Because it was, it had emotion in it, and it it talked about racism, and it talked about just, fu- and it was dirty, and it was great, and the wall, literally, the building shook, and that building's got like dead uh, mobsters underneath it. That's very solid. That building, there's cement down there. I'm not kidding. The wall, I thought it was an earthquake, and it it was minutes, minutes of applause, and. I come back out on stage, you know, and he's he's face to face with me, and I go that that was fucking amazing, and he just gave me a a nod like, yes sir, and then he was gone, and he was always very kind to me too, uh, but I got to see that I got to see in one week what brilliance it took for him so to So what do you think he did? Do you, do you think he just went and reviewed the material? And if he didn't perform it all that week. He, mu- he must have. So- not, not necessarily. No, I think not necessarily is the answer. No. I think he just did what we do when we're good and went over it and over it and over it. As long it. as he worked at it. He, he, how, uh, there's no way yeah. he didn't work at it. Well, sometimes it's he not didn't even just that. Leave it, he didn't just leave it there. But sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's just inspiration. Sometimes you feel different. Sometimes you just feel better. Like sometimes you go on stage, you just feel loose. Yeah. You just got an idea of how to do it. You feel physically better maybe. Like maybe you're more re- well rested or maybe he didn't like the set the week before. So no, he had been thinking about it for all that time. I could tell he didn't after that first set because yeah. his mind was worrying like it does when yeah, we're trying so to work something together. out. Well, listen, man, that's the weirdest thing about doing a special. You leave that material to the ether. It's gone. And then you start from scratch. You have no weapons. So here you have these people that are coming to see you. Oh, my God, it's Bob Saget. I love Bob Saget. I'm so excited. And you ain't got shit for them. I, you, did, I did that. You're scrambling. Everybody's <laughs> I did done that, that after my last special. Look, every time I do a, a set at the comedy store, after my special comes out, I don't have anything. I have a few scraps. I have a few ideas, a few premises. You know, this last time I got lucky that I had a couple that I couldn't really do in my last special and I never really fleshed out. I could start with them. I could kind of get going, get get a little bit of momentum and then piece together an act. But that desperation is what creates your 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 act. This this last after that happened and what I I could feel what was happening in in the world the past and you could too for the past year, year and a half of what was what we were going toward with Trump at the helm and all of the shit that's been happening and all the people at each other. So I, it started happening fast where new stuff was coming to me and I was reflective over my life and, and reflective over real things, more real things, not just a bunch of nonsense or just... So you wanted to do 
more real, thoughtful storytelling, thoughtful things that mean something to you rather than just jokes. But I, but I can't help myself, as you could apparently tell, without taking little asides to throw in something that's just like fucking what. But when Why you say he... that you want to do this, though, like how much time were you working? How much stand up were you doing? Uh, quite a bit. I've been on the road and I've been wanting to be on the road more than I've ever wanted to be on the road. Wow. That, so up until pandemic, I was set to go to Canada and they closed Canada the day before. Actually, they closed it the day after I pulled on Vancouver. And they so were, you basically just touring back and forth and just doing a lot of a lot of clubs, getting everything looped up. A lot of clubs, a, the, a theater, bunch of theater runs, little theater runs, and not just not big ones. Getting like, everything nice and loose. Yeah. And when were you thinking about filming? I was going to go fall this year. Me too. I, yeah. was, I was already, I know where I'm going to shoot it. I don't even want to say because I have some real cool shit uh, that I have that I want to do that it's part of the place, part of it. it but it's just, I can't look like it's bad. I can't feel like it's just going to, what we're all going through is just going to make me it mean even more. Everything we're going to get to do when there's a vaccine, when we find out if the vaccine works, when we find out what the fuck all this is, when we get to go out and really do a room that's 100% full, and we don't know, what's, you don't know what's coming with your big dates coming up. I think they're all getting canceled, if I had to guess. I mean, unless something happens between now. I mean, I'm supposed to do Madison Square Garden October Have you played 3rd. there before? Yeah, I've played the smaller room. But I'm doing the big room in the Boston Garden back to back two weeks in a row. Motherfucker. And I don't know if that's happening. Chappelle and I have a bunch of gigs. I saw. I don't know if that's happening. But you'll just move them. You'll just move them a year, right? <sighs> yes, a year. A year's likely. But even then, we don't. What kind of a climate are we looking at? What is the world going to be like? That's the least of my concern right now. I mean, doing stand-up is great. I would I would like to do stand-up again for right, sure. Right, it's a selfish concern. But right, right now, I just want to... Look, if we never do stand-up again, man, life is beautiful. I want to appreciate life. I yeah. want to appreciate my friends. I want to appreciate my family. I appreciate being able to do this podcast. This has been one of the, the, the nicest things, that there's a place that I could sit and hang out with people and talk and learn like I'm, this this podcast has made me grow a lot as a human being it, it has a lot I've, I've listened and watched it's uh it's shifted my perspective it's made me way more aware of how much responsibility i have doing this thing when we first started doing this podcast it was you know me and brian redband and you know whoever the guest was joey diaz or eddie bravo or ari <laughs> shafir whatever it was and there would be like a thousand people listening at the most you know, we get like a, a thousand downloads would be crazy. And so we got to practice when there was like no stakes. And you can still listen to them. And some of them are terrible. And some of them are getting me in trouble now because some of the ridiculous shit we said. Right. Trying to make each other's laugh. But that led to this. And did you, for whatever reason, we just kept doing it. Or I just kept doing it. It became this. Did you have any vision in your mind that it would be what other people look at as like an empire? No fucking chance. No. You just did it. Just did it. I'm a grinder. I'm, 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 I'm a person that I see something and I try to get better at it. And I know that I had a bunch of podcasts that weren't that good. And so I'd go, what was wrong with that one? Well, I talked too much. Or maybe I interrupted too much. Or maybe I didn't have enough 
to say about the subject. So maybe I should be more prepared. Maybe I should you right. know, be more focused. And then I uh, really like, what, what is, what's a distraction? Like make sure people don't look at their phones, make sure you're locked in, be really engaged, be in the moment in the conversation, be better at that. And I just kept doing it. That's kind of, uh, you're an influence on me in, in a huge regard. Cause I didn't come to podcast because Every fucking person on the earth, has, the kid across the street has a podcast. You know, my, the guy, UPS guy the other day had a podcast. Really? No, but. But I'm, it's okay. But, but, but I, I'm like on number 33 and I'm, I'm learning very fast because I'm a broadcaster. You know, I, had, I know how to do things, but it's not. It's, it's a conversation. That's why I'm so drawn to what you do. There's people listening. This is the most important yeah. thing. And, it's, and, and they love it and they, and they need it. But it's also, you have to listen to the way you sound, you have to listen to the way the conversation's going. Like you, it has to be, there has to be something in what you're talking about and the way you're talking that makes people want to listen. I don't know how to teach that. I don't. I mean, I don't. No. I think, but but you get better at it. It's a skill. There's something to it that's just like everything else, man. It's like I don't play the piano, but I would imagine it's like playing the piano or learning any other skill. The more time and focus you put into it, the better you get at it. And it's to me, it's it's fascinating still to this day. If I get a scientist in here or a researcher or someone who's writing a book on something. Yeah, and, Elon Musk with a yeah, flamethrower. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, 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 when, when I'm having those conversations, I'm, I'm locked in, man. I love it. I enjoy it. And I never, never thought I'd be doing this. And this is not a plan. There was no plan to this. Isn't that the best? It's great. I don't know if it's the best, but it's great. Well, it's the best. I'm enjoying I, it. I think it's the best because it comes from an organic place, and that's why it worked. That's why it works. I mean, that's why it's going to even. I don't know if you read, but you're 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 moving it. I don't know if you read about it. Yeah, that's why I hear some people that work for me to tell me that. Yeah, it's moving somewhere. I can't remember where, but it's moving somewhere big, apparently. Yeah. I, you know, and that's a that's a mind fuck too, because now it's like there's more scrutiny on it. There's more people paying attention and criticism and everything. But it's also it's like oh, I just keep doing it. I just keep going, and I just keep focusing on that. And that's the real challenge, right? As it gets bigger, can you keep doing it the way you're doing it? Can you keep getting high and get drunk and have friends here and just talk shit? Yeah, I'm gonna see until the wheels fall off. Keep they're not. They're not going to fall off, because you're you're a special guy. I'm just telling you. I'm 64. I could say shit like that. <laughs> what if when you're 62 they not let you? No, I wasn't allowed. <laughs> I was talking to Norman Lear the other night. He's going to be 98. How's he doing? He's a fucking genius. On the ball at 98. We were we had a Zoom with a bunch of music guys, like I said, and he is one of the most beautiful people I've ever I will ever know. And What's his key to being sharp at 98? He cares about humanity he um you know he changed television he gave us all in the family and yeah. sanford and son and uh, uh, good times and the jeffersons isn't and, it crazy that none of those shows you could do today but they're doing them they are doing the live ones on abc jimmy kimmel and he are doing those those doing shows what? all in the family and uh, what are the you talking about jeffersons have been running new episodes what woody, woody harrelson's archie bunker Shut and marissa tomei is uh edith Shut the fuck up. But, uh, sorry, you really need to Google this. Is this actually happening this right now? This is gigantic. It's happened a couple months ago. What? Yeah. Yes, before the pandemic. Yeah. What? Yeah. This is about as real as it gets. 
How the fuck am I just hearing this? How can you? How, I've, I told you something you Wait don't a know. This is Woody Harrelson. That's Woody, and they sing those with the Archie days. Archie Bunker. And get it's, the fuck out of and here. And it's fucking awesome, Joe. It's awesome. Wow. And Norman Lear, and there's Marissa. This is crazy. You have to watch it. It's awesome. I can't awesome. believe this is real. No, it's it's. How do you know about this? Are you joking? No, I didn't know about this. Well, well I, I gave so. you. Why didn't you tell <laughs> me, Jamie? Well, I gave Joe some. I, I gave Joe intel. Live in front of a studio audience, all in the family. Holy shit! So it's shit. it's Norman and Kimmel and ABC, and it's well, Kim, fucking. Kimmel's one of the producers. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, they do it together. And it's wow. it's fucking it's so special because the stuff is about racism because people didn't quite understand. Some people were just loving Archie and not getting the sadness. Wow, that's and in they're the all mat. dressed like they're in the seventies. Yeah, so it takes place in the seventies. Look at the collars. Yes. <laughs> and on wow. the on the Jeffersons, yeah, Jamie Fox. I mean, this wow. is it, what? Yes, this is big How shit. How the fuck do I not know this? You've got to go and watch it. You've got to look it up. You got to watch a little bit. I'm of that it. old man that doesn't know anything anymore. I'm completely out of the loop. I'm so relevant. You are the relevantest but guy I've so, ever met. No, the most is relevant is Norman Lear. So he's 98. Look at this. This is crazy. It's absolutely. Now who's going to do Sanford and Son? I don't know if they're going to do that. Why not? I don't know if you can do Red Fox. D.L. Hughley. Ooh. He could. There's a few people. I love D.L. I do too. I think he could do it. So he was on stage at Zany's in Nashville, and he passes out, and he's got coronavirus. I know. How good is his uh, tour manager that caught him as he was falling asleep? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? He could have had his head cracked oh, open. Oh, for sure. He was going down. You know what? I'm so. This is what I was saying about all these comedians that we love, and I got... I'm so fed up with that because I, I love comedians so much. I started – I don't reach out to DL that often. Uh, we see each other once in a while. I started texting him. Are you okay? It's Bob Saget. Please don't think I'm weird. I can't fucking take <laughs> I can't fucking take it anymore. That is you. Please don't think I'm weird. <laughs> and, and, then, and, and then No, he texts me back. He's laughing. He's going, I'm okay. I said, well, I, I, I wrote something else. I'm sorry I texted you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> then the next day I called him. I said, what the fuck, man? How sick are you? He goes, I'm okay. I'm okay. He doesn't seem to be that sick. I saw him talking about no, something else. No, he seems he okay. Like a little bit of a cough. You know, Brian Callen got it. Yeah, and he's fine now. He was. Well, he has, uh, just, he has a sick. strong uh, mechanism. His yeah. instrument's pretty together. Well, he didn't take any medication. Um, Brendan Schaub, his friend, took medication, and he was fine four days. And Callan, it took him like eleven or twelve, but he's fine now. He said he feels good. Um, I'm concerned with long-term effects from anybody that has this because I was talking to a friend of mine who is a doctor who is saying he's treating a basketball player. Um, who three months, a guy in his 20s, three months after COVID is still having issues with his endurance. He hasn't gotten his endurance back to where it is. Like his, his lungs are not working at full capacity. So there's perhaps some damage or something. Or something I, going I've heard on. from people that are scarring. Yeah. That that's happens. fucking terrifying. You know, what is this, Jamie? Scans reveal heart damage in over half of COVID-19 patients in study. Oh, great. Maybe they should go with more patience. There was something else. I could send this to you. There was another, st well, it's not necessary, but it was essentially saying that uh, in the autopsies that they're doing on people who died of COVID, they're finding blood clots in all of their organs, in their liver, their lungs, their kidneys, everywhere. 
Yeah, this is a fucking weird disease, man. This and they don't know if the vac. And what I've been hearing with the vaccine, they don't know if you get it, if it doesn't, if it can keep you safe. They don't know. No, they don't they know. Don't. Well, they don't know. First of all, they don't know if a vaccine is going to be even possible. Normally, it takes a vaccine upwards of four years to develop, and they're trying to do this and fast track it. And they're also trying to do something called an mRNA vaccine. It's a different kind of vaccine that doesn't use a live version of the virus, but instead forces your body to create proteins. I don't see if we could pull up what that means. MR, I remember, I'm a moron. So when I say these things, even though I use the right <laughs> words, I really don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Very important to remember. You're becoming me. Um, MRNA virus. See if you can, uh, M, excuse me, MRNA vaccine. You may have typed it in, but it's not saying what it, like, uh, what it is. That's it. We'll the never find out. The definition of MRNA vaccine. Messenger RNA. Messenger RNA. See, it does something to the body and forces the body to create proteins that fight off the virus. Uh, another thing that's really important is vitamin D. Um, they are finding, and this is what you were talking about with African Americans having a particular problem with COVID. African Americans have a particular problem with vitamin D as well, because of course, with their skin color, their ancestors all came from Africa, where your body had all this melanin to protect itself from constant sunlight. So they didn't have to worry about absorbing so much vitamin D from the sun, because wow. they were in the sun all the time. This is the reason why Irish people are so fucking pale. The reason why they're so fucking pale is because where they are, there's no goddamn sun. So their body has to be like a solar panel for vitamin D. Your body produces vitamin D because of sunlight, and it's not just a vitamin. It's, it's, it's actually a hormone, which is, I'm really uh, been so, getting into this lately. Do you take a lot of supplements of yes. vitamin D? Yes. My I wife take says- 5,000 IUs a day. So I was talking to your guys before I came in here, and they were saying, yes, you got I've been out in the sunlight, because I've been out, go, go to the pool, that's like Hawaii for my wife and I, and she's- you know, that's been helpful. It feels good. That's good. But you're also getting a little bit of sun damage Shh. there, too, right? You got to be careful about that. Yeah, I put on the shit. But is that protecting you from vitamin D as well? Probably. What you should do is get blood work done and find out where your vitamin levels are. It's not hard to do. Go to a good doctor. They can do blood work. When my wife wanted me to take supplements, she levels. says, she, as right before I came in here, she said, that's what I've been trying you, you to take. You don't take vitamins? She said, I do. I do. But... I don't take too many. You should take vitamins. You should go to a doctor that really understands this kind of shit and could look at your blood work and say, hey, you need niacin. You need vitamin D. You're low in zinc. And all those things protect you. I mean, is it a normal doctor a body, or is it a person that's... We'll talk afterwards. Yeah. When you have a, a body that is deficient in nutrients, that body lacks the, the strength to prevent illnesses. It's the, the part of what your immune system is, is your, your body has a, a, an army that fights off bad diseases. Right. Right. And when your body doesn't have any building blocks, your body doesn't have any nutrients, your body is, is deficient and all sorts of critical nutrients that it needs for all these different functions. It's not going to do the job. It's real simple. When your body's weak, it's not going to do the job. But fortunately for us, in 2020, you can take supplements. And vitamin D is not expensive. It's not prohibitive. But it has a huge impact. One of the things that they're showing is that, and this is something that Dr. Rhonda Patrick uh, talked about when she was on the podcast. She went over all these different studies that they've done in places where COVID patients were in the ICU. And in one of them, in, in several, but one of them that I can recall, 80-plus percent of the people that were in the ICU for, for COVID had vitamin D deficiency. 4% had sufficient levels of vitamin D. 
And there's m multiple studies that point to the exact same thing, is that this is it's critical in your body's ability to fight off illness and particularly effective with COVID. So when you're talking about African-Americans, um, one of the things my doctor told me was that when he was uh, doing tests in Manhattan with African-Americans, some of them had non-detectable levels of vitamin D. So these are people that... First of all, their ancestors come Holy from a climate shit. where they're supposed to be in the sun all the time. Now they're not because they're in this northern hemisphere, cloudy. They're in, it's in the winter. They're not getting anything in the sun. And they're not taking any vitamins, so they're just not getting it. It makes them particularly susceptible. Another thing that makes people particularly susceptible is obesity. That, that is, uh, according to my friend who's a doctor in New York, is a huge factor in people that are in the I've ICU. I've heard that quite a bit. Obesity is a huge factor. Obesity, vitamin D, those are two big ones. Zinc, zinc does something that stops the, the virus's ability to get into the body. I don't, I don't know how that works, but it's something about your, your body's, uh, the, the, the virus's ability to enter into the body is somehow or another stopped by zinc. I've Again, always had a problem taking too many supplements. I, I went on a lot of kicks. I had doctor, a couple doctors recommend certain vitamins, and D was one of them for sure, and biotin. And, and D's fucking huge, man. Most people but are deficient it, it, in it, D. Does it upset your stomach? Because like C no. upsets my stomach. How it, does it upset your stomach? I don't know. I have Says an acidic who? stomach. It just What does. are you talking about? It feels like it's burning a hole through it when I take a vitamin C. Well, do you take it with food? That's what I've done wrong. I, I, First of all, you should then, take most I, vitamins I with fart, food. it's like a white cloud. A white cloud? Yeah. Are you looking white in the mirror while you fart? How do you oh, know it's who white? Who doesn't? I mean, you've My never mom? looked over and farted in the mirror? <laughs> over I haven't. The, over the shoulder? I don't think I have. Maybe we should do a photo session. Maybe not. <laughs> Let's say not and not we didn't. You should take vitamins with food. Most vitamins, are they, they get you absorbed better with You take them before or after? Before. Well... But the, I think the best way to do it is probably in the middle of your meal, like eat. So some like of your when food, you're when you're eating elk, which I've seen a lot of photos of, yeah, a lot of elk pictures. Would you take the D in the middle of yes. four pieces of I elk? I do. You well, take I, them literally. Have, yes, I have a hard time telling people to do what I do in basically everything because they're not. I don't gonna mind do what it because do. you're kind of like a perfect human specimen. But they're not going to do it. They're not going to do what I do physically. They're not. Gonna I do might. What I, do. I, I, I take have, advice. I have a stack of vitamins. It's like. It's like this, like a fucking Monopoly board. And I pull those bad boys out when I eat. And I, I pour four of these and two of those and ten of those. And I just eat those. And I eat them with my food. That's what I do. When I'm eating, I'll stop in the middle of the meal. And I go out and I get my box. And I have a box full let me, with let me ask you a question. fish oil. and Right. Fish oil, right? Yeah. What, what does it do? This is uh, probably not a good topic. But what does it do to your uh, stool? Nothing. What happens? I don't know. I always do it. Do you have a nice one? Is I have it... regular shit. All right. Is Thick. it tapered? Like a fucking hammer, bro. Comes out hard. Residual? Or no, no, it's, it's just a... shit. It's regular shit. Okay. So it's not in compartments. It doesn't come out all separate like vitamins. No. You don't like shit like I don't 40 shit vitamins. Capsules. No. no. <laughs> shit capsules. It doesn't have anything to do with your shit. It's uh, what, you know, it's just your shit comes from food waste. That's what shit is? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's mostly fiber for a lot of people. When you eat uh, meat only, that's what's interesting. Um, yeah, you I were on that. You just diet. did all, you lost yeah. a bunch of weight on that. Yeah, I did. Um, when I did that, I had smaller shits. It was interesting. It was like I was eating a lot of meat, but like your body duds? absorbs it. And, you know, it's meat is mostly water, right? Right. So you've got like the, the, the tissue and then the water and the amount that you shit is surprisingly small. 
Whereas when you're eating a lot of salad and you're eating a lot of like right. celery and fibrous foods, all that stuff, your body doesn't really digest it. But so it's it good sort for of, you, right? I don't know. I don't Everybody's know. Everybody's saying that we need to have our vegetables, right? Not now. everybody. Some people are saying you need to have the vegetables, and then there's some people that are on this carnivore diet that say you don't need any vegetables. Well, some people are vegan, like my wife's a pescatarian. She worships fish. And I am on, I'm B-positive blood. So my 10-year-old goes, is a humanitarian someone who eats people? I've, I mean, that's going to happen soon. I think we're it's on. It's already happened. We're on the, but I, I mean, I think it's going to become popular. You think so? Yeah. I think one day those What if lab yeah. created human meat is the best thing to eat at a restaurant? It's like the veal. We have uh, some beautiful lab created human, lab created buttocks. You can you know? get it at uh, Umami. Can they would have that. If you go umami to a, has people. A restaurant, they come out and they have one of those like fucking Bugs Bunny silver things where they pull the top off of it <laughs> and it's a dude's butt. It's just a perfect butt, like a like an athlete. I like ate a the sprinter. best ass today. And he's like, this, we're going to crock pot this. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful roast for you. <laughs> but it's not, it doesn't not a part of an actual person. It's all created in a lab. Right. So someone who's always wanted to eat a guy's ass. Simulated. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? Pull that top off that and show them. Simulated you know they do? man like if, ass. Like if you go to Morton's, they come by with this, this, the, the steak tray. Yeah. And they show you, this is the ribeye. This is a beautiful marble <laughs> cut. They come by with the man Five ass. Five asses. <laughs> I mean, they're making lab-created meat. Why not make lab-created human meat? Do you eat that stuff? I have never because it's not available, but I would try it. But I mean, not man. Uh, oh, uh, that fake shit? Yeah. No. The soybean that shit. That's terrible for My you. wife gives it to me. I don't really love it. It's supposed to taste pretty good, but it's not good for you. It's not good for Does you. It if you want to eat vegetarian or vegan, eat vegetables. Eat actual real vegetables. Don't eat some fake beef bullshit. That's not real food. I need my meat. Well, you eat meat then. Yeah. There you go. But it's not supposed to be good for your heart. Says it's who? Well, people but have you looked into that no yeah see that's the thing that people just keep saying yeah they hear what yeah. some you know what's guy bad says. for your heart man sugar sugar and, and, and fat refined flour no fat's not bad for you fat's essential you need fat it's actually food i for thought your brain. So. i thought it's also good it helps lube up the meat so you can <laughs> shit better perhaps listen we can go down this rabbit hole but it's already four o'clock it would take a long time for me it's to explain nutrition to you yes Motherfucker. Time flies in this room. You're you're enchanted. <laughs> How the fuck do you do this? You sit, you talk. Yeah. You have a good time. A couple hours pass by. Pow pow. I love this. It was fun. Glad we did it, Bob. I love it. Tell people about your podcast, how they get it. Uh it's on uh, you know, it's wherever you get them, right? It's Apple. Wherever you get them. Apple. It's uh Spotify. Is it uh It's on Zigzag? Is it on YouTube as well, or it is? But I, I got a brand new YouTube site. I'm a newbie, so okay. I just it's up there for uh, Zoom videos because I've been talking to people. Beautiful. But I have really good guests. I've, I've been having that. But I call people too to see how they're doing. And so. Instagram, just Bob Saget. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I got TikTok until China pulls it. Don't don't get off the TikTok. They're they're watching you every move. Are they really? Yeah, the Chinese government. They're in your ass right now, <sighs> checking you out. Maybe I need that. Maybe you do. But what about what about uh, you know uh, Alexa? Isn't she listening that to bitch everything? That is listening to everything. Everything. So is uh, the uh, the Apple so thing. She, 
The Apple Home, those motherfuckers listen to Siri. everything too. Everything. Siri's listening. Siri, that bitch is Siri's on, fucking me she's every deep in your day. Shit. Yes, yes. She knows everything. All of, them, all of them. Fuck her. Yes. She and Alexa should take a slow boat to shit bill. There you go. Let's end with that. Bob Saget, I love you. I love you, Joe. Thank you, buddy. Thank Thanks. you. It was a lot of fun. This is great. Goodbye, America and the rest of the world. See ya. <laughs> That's fucking